1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: You're
3: listening to
0: Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
4: Locked and loaded, ready to dominate the ear holes of America. Three hours of greatness coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Hi, I'm Mike Harmon alongside me, 13-year NFL vet, our buddy e from Salam. Perfect week to have him in. Dan Beyer off this week. He'll be back next week as we start Really revving up for the fantasy football season. We'll get another week of NFL preseason games under our belts. But, Ephraim, week one, we're getting ready to just kind of step, take a step back, right? All the hyperbole, all the excitement of what we saw or what we want to convince ourselves that we saw. Uh, people, step back, and, and maybe a little bit of, of reality will set back in.
2: Okay, so let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Are you excited that football is starting back up? Of course. Okay, so I think, you know, coming off the the, the dead zone of of sports after NBA, before football starts.
4: You're just casually dismissing and categorically dismissing those three weeks of great Major League Baseball action? No one. Zlatan and all the greatness that we've seen? No.
2: No no one's – that's not even on the – on the radar. You're
4: like I was on vacation. I'm out. Yeah,
2: this no one is. You know, talk to me about baseball in October. Aww. Then we can get revved up.
4: Really? You you just don't yeah. want to get
2: into the I the, just, the, just, the quote boys of summer? Come on. No, nah, we're good. We're going to pass on that. Um you know, and we we had a little uh sustaining of our of our sports jones this year because this year was the year of the uh the World Cup uh in soccer. So that was exciting.
4: People got into that. People got into it. As you, you know, came with the United States out, there was, I was a lot of I, close I, matchups. It was a good winning business move for I, Fox. I absolutely. bought in. Sure,
2: absolutely. Had a couple teams I was watching. Um, and so people were excited when preseason starts. Sure, and of course, when you get something you've been jonesing for and you've been missing since February, then you're going to overreact a little bit. And you should, you should be able to.
4: All right. Well, I'll take it on the overall. Sure, football's back and we embrace it. But what we saw and, and we looked at the New York newspapers after mm-hmm. Sam Darnold's debut or or after Saquon Barkley. Oh. How, about, how about nobody giving Red Ellison some credit? At <laughs> right. 20 yards Saquon Barkley doesn't have on that first run. If the tight end doesn't come back and make the block, yes, he got that, no love. That's true. That guy should get a car yes, at that, a minimum from Saquon Barkley th- right there.
2: Tight ends don't get love for blocking, <laughs> they get love for catching passes. I'll tell you what. A I,
4: but I mean, that's the biggest question I have for the Giants. Do they have five guys that are going to line up, plus a tight end willing to block, that's going to make him the player everybody wants him to be, Quadzilla or not? you're still looking at an offensive line that struggled terribly last year. Right. Obviously you you had hurt players on the outside, mm-hmm. but and and this isn't to just, you know, genuflect at the the feet of a former NFL lineman here. <laughs> but but the keep bottom it, keep it coming. But, 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 I, I'm enjoying bo- this. But the bottom line is this when we, we start breaking down these teams, particularly when you're talking about a Saquon Barkley right. and the the savior status being thrust upon him is, is that Nobody's looking at the O-line, right? That's the the problem I've had with Indianapolis all these years. Yeah, you paid a pretty penny for Andrew Luck. It it doesn't help that the only thing the linemen were doing were going and reaching their hand down to pick him up after they let him get beaten down. So (laughs) that's one of the things in these preseason games that that I'm trying to to ascertain exactly how good those units are cuz the rest of it kind of falls into place right. I think as as we go through and you, and you glean what you can from how decisive a player is or whether they're they're not looking like they're ca- caught up in too big of a moment mm-hmm. but you know the the guys that stay on the field after one series are really the guys I'm looking at
2: <laughs> so I I'll tell you this it's hard to discern if an offensive lineman, if an offensive line in in, in general as a whole um, are hitting their stride in the preseason. Number one, sure. defenses aren't as elaborate as they will be in a regular season. Number two, the starters in that unit, they play very sparingly, especially in the first game. So you're going against a vanilla defense some of the starters aren't playing on both sides of the ball uh, defensively. In the first game, they mm-hmm. try to get them at least one series. So within that seven, eight plays, you you can't really determine if, you know, it, it, if no one jumps off sides, it's been a good It's a good good outing for the the ones in the first series.
4: Well, Anthony Lynn, I mean, look look at what he's got coming off of last night's game for for the Chargers. He has four turnovers and 150 yards and penalties that he's got to sort through.
2: The one thing you can determine (laughs) with that unit is if you need more work, right? So nothing for us really good comes out of preseason football because if you do good, or do well as a unit. They're saying, "Well, I, you know, it's preseason." And well, but that's the finish. hard
4: thing of all of it, right? I mean, the the let's have a ticker tape parade for Darnold. Let's have a ticker tape. Par- no, and and there are not to say there are positives, but there's always the well, they played against the third string, this or they did that, and and so it's always tempered. I would say let's let's celebrate it a- as much as we can because this could go to hell tomorrow.
2: I like <laughs> I like your approach to it. I was uh on my show uh yesterday arguing with uh Brian No about he was upset because fans in in New York for the Jets and in Cleveland mm-hmm. for the Browns were optimistic and exciting
4: look i know I, said, I know red said in in shawshank hope is a dangerous thing <laughs> but <laughs> but the reality is when you're you're a team that's been beaten down for a number of years any glimmer of hope you that gotta, things are turning
2: you got to hold on to something and I liked what I saw between uh, from from uh, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. My whole thing was, my argument was, and it wasn't an argument. I was just making a statement and speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. These kids have one day to prepare for a team, right? Because in training camp, you don't have the customary week when you're preparing for these preseason games. Sure. You do one day, half a day. They don't put in a special game plan for them. They may put a couple plays in and they want to see work with the offense or work on some things that they're – but it's not it's it's not focused on the other team. It's really focused on, on your, on, own, on fun your own fundamentals. Now, you'll prepare uh, like a regular season for the third uh, preseason game, but for the first, second game, you just want to see if your guys can go out there and get the snap from the center and not trip over <laughs> their feet, sure. right? So my whole thing is if these two guys, these two young quarterbacks came out and was able to take control and grasp the concept of the offense, right? Mhm. When we watched them, did they have pocket presence, right? Were they able to hit the open receiver? Were they able to uh prolong plays? And I and I saw that from both of them, one play uh from Sam Darnold when he threw his touchdown as the pocket broke down, he stepped up in the pocket, then escaped out to the right, and instead of running a couple yards for the first down, he kept his eyes downfield, right. and he threw a touchdown pass. That, to me, means the world, because most young quarterbacks, when things go wrong in the pocket, they just go get the yards.
4: Talk and run. They just Absolutely. go get their
2: yards. That's just the number one thing. It's like, look, I don't feel comfortable. Things are moving. Receivers are breaking off routes. I'm just going to get the first down. And we'll start over. And what I saw from that uh, from this young man was he didn't tuck the ball. He didn't run. He didn't slide for five or six yards. He kept his eyes downfield. He moved to the sidelines and he threw a perfect ball right to the the, the front of the end zone, right to the pylon. And I was like, "Whoa, okay, he might have something, right?" Because that's something that you'll teach in film. Like, hey, instead of taking these yards, right, just look, look. Look, keep the, the eyes up, right? Keep moving, sure. And 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 I and if you start like that, then you, you. I mean, the rest is you can build from that. And I was excited about that. Same with Baker Mayfield, pocket presence, being able to move in the pocket. Things didn't go right. You're looking for the, the the especially at the quarterback position when with a young player. When things go wrong, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna panic? Throw the ball up in the air, get it intercepted? Or are you gonna keep your composure? and try to make a play. If nothing's there, get down or get out of bounds.
4: There we go. Big steps here in week one. We'll continue talking and breaking down preseason and Ephraim with some fond memories or maybe not so fond memories <laughs> of preseasons past from his 13 years in the National Football League. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Mike Harmon. He's Ephraim. Salam Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So head on over to Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. It's time to take our first serving of the day. We're hungry. We're getting it rolling here from the Geico studio. Sam Kinley on the ones and twos. Isaac Lohenkron giving you your trending and updates. Ryan Dennis, our executive producer. It's time for some hot takes and sausage. What's up, boys?
5: Good morning, fellas. How are we doing today? How are we doing? Uh, Good. Crushing it. Good. Well, uh it might might have been a little while since you've been with us, Ephraim, but hot takes and sausage. Mm. I'm gonna throw out a topic here and you got a minute to make your case. And you then will, I'll we'll choose get played winner off by the, the, the band, game. too. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So if the we were just talking about Baker Mayfield a second ago. So if the Browns were to win five games this season, that would be a five hundred percent increase on their performance from last year. But that's still only five wins. If it Really, is there any way Hugh Jackson keeps his head coaching job with the Browns past this season, or his, is his firing inevitable? How many games do you think the Browns are going to have to win for him to feel safe? We'll start with you, Ephraim.
2: Uh, I think seven games. I, I think if he gets seven games, then he's headed in the right direction. And, you know, a lot of this people are are, are saying this, this is all – uh, predicated and contingent on on Baker Mayfield and and what he does, but what I saw from Tyrod Taylor was nice uh, the other day. I, I think he uh, did a wonderful job in the offense. I, his arm, he can, we know he can throw the ball. So I think seven seven wins, he keeps his job right because in football, the closer you get to that nine or that eight that eight wins, which is you know five hundred, it's a, it's, a, it's not a losing record. The closer you get to that. The better you'll be. Well
4: done. See, I'm going to lose right now because I'm going to point out his math error. That when you're going from zero wins to five right. wins, oh, come on, it's we're, not we're, a five hundred percent, But anyway, that, so I've i lost. officially so would be a zero percent uh, increase. I've, then? I've, I've, well, no, it's it's really an infinite when you're t- talking about it from uh coming from a zero. But we're we're looking at the the Browns and where they're coming from. Like this year, there's as you mentioned, hope. Yes, Not just with Baker Mayfield, but what you'd built in theory. right? You feel confident enough that you can get rid of Corey Coleman, a guy who missed a lot of time due to injuries but had some explosive plays in the offing. Gone. We still don't know what Josh Gordon's all about just yet. Callaway, well, his whole issue... <laughs> That, that could come back. And so for Hugh Jackson, I don't know that he's ever dealing with a full roster. I know right. he's got Nick Chubb, and I know he's got Carlos Hyde. So if they can establish a running game, perhaps they can get going. In terms of saving his career and saving his job – I don't. I don't know that this is the year that would be the determining. I think you'd get plus one, especially when you're you're pinning the franchise on a guy coming in and in Taylor and then building to to Mayfield. So I, I think you're you're looking at a two year run. But the over under I, I think was sitting at four and a half. So you're right on it. So it, it's a, a difficult proposition to think you're going to win a lot of games because the only other team you're looking at you're looking at two teams in your division. We don't know what the the Ravens are. And you, you certainly don't know what Marvin Lewis has there in Cincinnati. Right. So I think there are some expectations that you take big steps forward. But that difference between w- wins and loss, I mean, you, we're talking field goals in a lot of cases because they played well in spurts. At least they show some fire.
5: All right, guys. Well, I mean, on paper, the way I look at it, like the Browns, I mean, they've they've got a pretty loaded roster. So I don't think it's crazy to say they could win a decent number of games if they have some solid play at the quarterback so i mean i'm with i'm with you Ephraim. i think seven is a uh is a decent amount probably seven or eight i think keeps him in a in a brown's head coaching job
4: i like that bold proclamation let's go out and bet <laughs> the over actually we could do that in multiple states now he's ryan dennis Sam Kinsley on the ones and twos. Ephraim Salam in with me for Dan Byer. Today, I'm Mike Harmon. Welcome to Fox Sports Sunday. Coming up next, we're going to add another NFL veteran lineman to the mix and get his observations from week one. That's when Fox Sports Sunday continues. Welcome back in, Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Ephraim Salam. Dan Byer off today. He'll be back with us next week. Ephraim, 13 year NFL veteran, breaking down week one of the preseason. So let's bring in another offensive lineman. Got to help get us done. Eight-year NFL vet, Sirius XM, NFL analyst, and the author of Eat My Schwartz. It's Jeff Schwartz on the hotline. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for getting up with us.
6: Oh, no problem. Two
4: young kids. Been awake for a while.
6: Oh, I know that <laughs> drill. So what's the cartoon
4: of choice that you put on to try to buy yourself five minutes?
6: Oh, that does not work with my son. But, you know, my son is my son's four, so it, it rotates on what he wants to watch. Right now he's big in a, in a Paw Patrol, like PJ Masks. Okay. Um, My daughter's two, and she's like strictly Mickey Mouse. She loves herself a Minnie Mouse. Um, And, uh, you know, you know how it is, man. Just trying to get by. Oh, Oh,
4: we've all done that dance. No question (laughs) Been been there, done that. All right, so week one of the preseason, flying off. We've got uh, all the young quarterbacks, the shiny new toys. What was the thing that stood out to you most in terms of the hype wagon getting started here?
6: Well, I thought Sam Darnold had about the perfect start to get you know, he did everything that I think you would look for in a in a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, the first third down free rusher right at him, uh, no panic whatsoever. Found open wide receiver. If you watched all his passes too, right on the money. Uh, whether it was need to be zipped in for that touchdown pass or whether he needed to put, you know to put a little touch on it, everything that he threw was I thought about perfect. Obviously, not against the one defense, and that's something we always have taken consideration here. Uh, but I thought he was fabulous. Uh, I thought Baker Mayfield did some really good things as well. Um, I want to see him and, and Darnold both get some more reps, hopefully, this week with the ones. You know, Josh Rosen, that game was on so late last night for me on <laughs> the East Coast. Um, I didn't get to see most of it. I watched the, a little bit of the highlights this morning NFL.com. I you know, cut-ups of, like, all their throws. You know, his deal was, you know, he didn't have protection. I mean, no. the other guys at least had some protection. Uh, he had none, which which should remind him of his day at UCLA. So he's used to that. Um, and then you know Lamar Jackson is not ready yet. I think that would be the case. And then yeah, he does some really good incomplete passes. So I'm glad that people are so excited that he can throw you know a very deep incomplete pass. Um, but he's got work too. But I think he's going to play. Uh, he might play before any of the other guys do, which is kind of crazy.
4: Jeff, I got to be honest. As Ethan and I were we starting things off this morning, uh, that that was my my one. Th- trying to look at offensive lines, and I know the first units aren't there for for large blocks, but I I certainly do have a, a giant star hanging in Arizona, and I want Josh Rosen in bubble wrap until they fix it.
6: You know, but the one offensive line yesterday, I watched them a little bit. I watched the first drive or two. They actually looked pretty good. Justin Pugh was the, the, the first run of the game. Justin Pugh, Andre Smith, had a great double team with David Johnson running behind him. Uh, I even tweeted out a video of Eupati and Humphreys on the touchdown run. They blew a, a, a Chargers defender three yards back into the end zone. So the one offensive line is fine. The problem all these rookies have to deal with is they're playing with the two and Jesus. three offensive line. And We know this. There's, there's no depth in NFL anymore. I mean, there's not one team I can no. say... Uh, oh, this team has like two good offensive linemen that are backups. Like it's not it's not a thing anymore. So, um, you know, but I thought. But for the most part, Donald had decent enough uh, protection. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought Mayfield had decent protection. I mean, some of these guys were able to do it. But Arizona's second and third string offensive lines were not very good last night.
2: Uh, let me ask you this, Jeff. This uh, Efrom Salam, uh, being an offensive lineman yourself, uh, in a situation where you know, a Tyrod Taylor or a Teddy Bridgewater comes in and and plays well, and then these younger quarterbacks come in and play well uh, after them in these preseason games, you as a former offensive lineman, what would you be looking for in terms of would you want to go with the young guy or with a veteran who's been in the league, who's had some some success, or would you rather throw the new guy out there and and, and, and rush him uh, whether he's ready or not?
6: Um, you know, that's always a an interesting question. I, mean, I think as an offensive lineman, you, you kinda want the guy to know what you are doing. Um, because you know, they gotta set you in protections. They gotta know exactly you know, where where to step up in the pocket. But I, look I think that Donald and Baker Mayfield showed that they kinda know what they're doing. And look, again, not not with the ones I get that, but their pocket presence was really good. Um, you know, I would prefer just as a, I mean, the, the way I played, I'd rather have a pocket passer than, than a guy who's going to run all the time. Running is great; it's fabulous. It's great they can do that, but some of those guys, especially when they're young, often don't understand when to step up, when to not step up. Um, and I, I don't mind playing young quarterbacks, but they have to know what they're doing. I mean, nothing bothers us more than you know, calling a play backwards or not knowing the right mic or, or not knowing who's hot. Things like that, but I think these young quarterbacks come in now um, so much um, more advanced because they start doing this stuff in high school. Now they start reading coverages in high school, which used to never happen. Um, so I'm not sure that I prefer. I mean, I played with veterans, Eli Manning. I played with Jimmy Clausen his first year. Jimmy wasn't ready. We, we asked him really. We asked him like, let's not play Jimmy because Matt Moore was there. Matt <laughs> he was doing. So it's more about. It's like it's not really about the age. I'd say it's about just knowing what you're doing. If you're a rookie and you know what you're doing, then and you're more talented than you, albeit, go, go play.
4: Fox Sports Radio, this is Fox Sports Sunday. Ephraim Salam, in buyer I'm Mike Harmon. Welcome aboard. On the hotline with us, Jeff Schwartz, eight years in the NFL, Sirius XM uh, radio analyst for the NFL, and the author of Eat My Schwartz. You find him on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz. Also giving you some gaming advice, uh, putting some money in your pockets this fall as well. He uh, said take the over on David Johnson. Remember, wasn't it? Oh, league, my God.
6: I can't believe that it. it's at nine hundred right now. If like, I looked at the prop, I was like, Good lord, it's nine hundred? Dude, I mean they improved their offensive line. They're gonna rely on a lot on the run game and he's healthy. It's, it's crazy to not take the, the over on that.
4: The gift. We we look at another running back, Saquon Barkley has the big thirty nine yard run, I uh, helped out the offensive line, did did the job tight end, comes back for a good block for that, but Certainly in New York, they're looking – they they extended the Eli Manning, right? They eschewed the the drafting of one of these young quarterbacks saying, all right, Eli's still our guy, our wide receivers are getting healthy, and and Saquon's going to be the guy to carry us over. Enough balance there to get the Giants back in, in the win
6: circle? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if, if – if Darnold turns out to be what he, he could be, I mean, I think the Giants are going to have to you know, drafting him Barkley at some point. I mean, I, I just – You know, in this day and age, a running back. And look, I played with Hall of Fame running backs. Uh, It's fun to block those guys. Um, But in this day and age, passing the ball is more important than running the football. Um, It just is. It's more efficient. Uh, You get more big plays out of it. And um, I, if I were the Giants, I would have drafted a quarterback and let you know sit behind Eli for a year or two. I still think Eli has it too. By the way um look barkley's a good addition they've loaded up on off at the talent there's no denying that but i think what we saw in barkley the other night was what he was at penn state right he has one carry for 39 right. yards and then four carries for four yards
4: Barry sanders
6: um, yes very very it is very very sanders like, and one thing that's still that's still i'm worried about um is his his um his love of Bouncing inside runs to the edge—that does not work in the NFL. You're not faster than everyone in the NFL. Um, you might be bigger than, than, than corners, but defense will start will start funneling things back to the middle. And you know there was a play where they had a, he had a free linebacker in the B gap. That's where the run was supposed to be. The offensive line screwed up. Like you gotta make that guy miss, man. Like that's your job. Bouncing outside for two yards where there's no blockers—that that that that's not that's not going to happen all the time. So I just want to see him continue to learn how to run between the tackles.
2: Now. uh, In in order for that to happen, the offensive line has to play as a unit and play together. Have they done enough this offseason to shore up that offensive line? Because that's been a has been a source by New York for a long time.
6: Yeah, no, I think they have. You know, Nate Soldier, obviously left tackle. Look, Mm -hmm. you you pay the market value for a guy. I mean, he's probably fifteenth, maybe fringe fifteenth best tackle. But you know, when you when you miss on Eric Flowers, you got to overpay for a left tackle. I thought Will Hernandez as the draft it was a great pick for them. You know, he looked like a rookie in his first game. Um, some good, but just the, you could tell the speed uh, was something he wasn't prepared for. You know, it's tough, and you know this, man. Like, the first time you play in a game, it's not practice. And then the first huh. regular season game is not the preseason. And then, you know, the playoff push is not the regular season. Like, it's just the speed keeps intensifying. And so I think mean, Will Hernandez will be fine. Just you could tell he was caught a little bit. Um, and even Quentin Nelson, with Colts, a little bit in his game, which is kind of caught caught with the speed early on. Um, you know, I think that they, they brought a new right guard, too, who's going you know, a big, powerful guy. And, look, they put Eric Flowers at right tackle. He was okay, I guess, is the nice way to put it in the game. If you watch it closely, he didn't do very well, I don't think, again. So, um, you know, Pat Shermer, I think, will be able to scheme up, especially in that offense, uh, to some tight end help for, for Flowers, uh, some formation help. They do a lot of boots and play action stuff to, to help him out. Um, and I think they'll be fine with that offense along.
4: Loving the analysis, eight-year NFL vet, serious XM NFL analyst and the author of Eat My Schwartz. You can find him on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz. Uh, it's time to go back to Paw Patrol, I think, buddy.
6: All right, guys. Thank right. you. Appreciate Thanks, you, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for getting up. Good. We'll see All you.
4: Right, Jeff Schwartz on the hotline with us. Time time for more Paw Patrol and, and Minnie Mouse. and yeah, we, We've been there. I know those days. well. All right. Coming up in a minute, Well, I, I need to clarify the Barry Sanders. I'm not putting anybody in the hall yeah, of fame. Yeah, I, I
2: didn't want to just jump in and interject like, whoa, no, whoa, No, no, whoa, no, no, no. There, there's, there's
4: a larger point to this that I wanted whoa, to make. And I, think, whoa. I think Jeff did a good job in clarifying what I meant, <laughs> but we'll get to that in one moment as we step out to Isaac Lohenkron and we find out what the latest, greatest is in this sporting world.
7: Good morning, Michael and Ephraim. We begin in college football, where on Saturday, the University of Maryland placed head football coach DJ Durkin on paid administrative leave In the wake of allegations of verbally abusive and intimidating conduct by Maryland football coaches and staff towards players, assistant Matt Canada will serve as interim head coach. University president Wallace Lowe said in a statement, quote, Humiliating and demeaning a student is not only bad teaching and coaching, it is an abuse of the authority of a teacher and coach, unquote. Golf Brooks Kepka 12 under as a two-shot lead going into the final round of the PGA Championship. Tiger Woods 4 shots back at 8 under after a 4 under 66 on Saturday. NFL the Chicago Bears are signing veteran free agent running back Nile Davis on the field last night. Josh Rosen 6 of 13 for 41 yards in his Cardinals debut in a 24-17 win over the Chargers. Finally in baseball, on Friday night, Ryan McMahon of the Rockies beat the Dodgers with a go-ahead home run. On Saturday night, the Rockies were down to their last out when McMahon came to the plate with two on, trailing the Dodgers 2-0 in the bottom of the ninth.
4: 1-0 to Ryan, drives it to right, going back, Puig, and it's gone! Ryan McMahon for the second
7: straight game! Final score tonight, Rockies 3, Dodgers 2. How was your weekend? The call on KOA, so the Dodgers and Diamondbacks remain tied for first place in the National League West with the Rockies now a game and a half back. Michael and Ephraim, back to you. Thanks, Ilo.
4: Reminder, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico, so go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out... Which way is easier? As we were talking about Saquon Barkley with Jeff Schwartz, breaking down everything there, give him a follow at Jeff Schwartz. He's got video up where he's pointing out the good, the bad, the ugly of line play and certain breakdowns of plays, also getting ready to fatten up your wallet along the way. So you you get that at Jeff Schwartz. But I made the reference to Barry Sanders as we're talking about Barkley because that stat line was very reminiscent of what you see in, in Detroit with Barry Sanders, where you'd have a one-yard gain, a minus two, a zero, maybe a four or five, and then eventually the dam would break and he'd find his way to some 87-yard touchdown sprint. And obviously it's extrapolating. I'm not going and putting Saquon Barkley in the Hall of Fame. That's what it sounded like. I mean, bust- it
2: sounded like you were – I mean, he was the second coming. No, it, it was I'm clearly just,
4: just the, the, the one <laughs> – The one thing that we saw, because the other carries are the ones nobody's talking about, right? right? The missed reads, the missed working with his offensive linemen, (laughs) which is one of those things for a rookie running back, right? It's usually just the go. Well, the schemes are a little bit different, a little more complex as you get going in the NFL. So I I think everybody forgot about the rest of his runs.
2: Yeah, what he's going to realize is that you're not going to be able to get to the corner as easy as he did on his first carry. Right, so he was able to hit inside. He saw the linebacker coming free. He cut outside, and then he made two uh, defenders miss on the outside and got around the corner. More times than not, that's not going to be able to happen, Uh, and he'll learn that. What I saw from him was hard-nosed running, which is all you need. The Giants really need help in, in, in the running game department. Starts up front with the offensive line, so hopefully they can work that together, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully Flowers feels more comfortable on the right side, and they can do some things to help him just get his confidence up. It's all about having the confidence. If you just leave a, uh, a tackle who's struggling out there on the island, then you won't you won't be able to get him back, right? So you got chip him, put a running back over there, put a tight end over there, just help him get into the flow of game, into the flow of the game, and then run the ball. Offensive linemen like to attack, right? I used well, to I used to hate in our fifth, first 15 plays when they were scripted, I used to hate when we started with like a seven-step pass in a game.
4: Right, that, that balance towards the, the pass, uh, it, putting you on a, a bad foot right, instead of p- being punished. Like I,
2: We want to be aggressive, right? right? So I want to set the tone, especially at the beginning of the game. Like I don't want to retreat and absorb the contact. I want to inflict the contact. So – you know, having them base, I know this is a passing league, but it would bode well for them in their offensive line if they were a little run heavy towards beginning of games just to get the offensive line in the flow of the game and get them aggressive and thinking aggressively.
4: Well, and get more leans, and eventually you get one or two more of those big plays are going to pop. Right? Yeah, Barry Sanders. Like. But, well, but committing to a run, very right. few teams – will do it with one one guy anymore, right? We saw how effective it was a couple of years ago before he got himself suspended last year with Ezekiel Elliott Mm -hmm. and what they did with that Dallas offensive line. Not to do a one-to-one comparison, but we've got few teams that will give a guy the ball 25 times a game anymore. With the Giants, yes, you want to keep Odell Beckham Jr. happy on the outside and that's going to be a tough proposition contract status or right. not, I really wish we had video component right now. The look on your face as I brought up his name said it all. There were a million things that you wanted to say in that moment. That's true. You thought about Sunday morning, and you thought about churchy thoughts, and you said, I can't say that for many reasons and the FCC. This is what <laughs> I'll say
2: about that. You're not going to build your team from the outside in. Right? You're not going right. to build your team around a receiver. I don't care how good they are. Detroit couldn't do it with Megatron.
4: No.
2: The Giants can't do it with Odell Beckham. The Steelers can't do it with Antonio Brown. Because without Le'Veon Bell, it's not it's not going the same way for Antonio. Right? right? So sure. offensive linemen in the running game is how you have the ultimate success in terms of finding those top receivers on the outside because now safeties have to come down in the box. You got to focus on the run game, which opens up play action, which opens up the entire back end of the field. So it bowled them well and I know the value of running back especially with this holdout with Le'Veon Bell and that whole situation that contract they offered him was awful Uh, the Rams got it right with Todd Gurley you know, you don't See the value of a running back until you don't have one. And the Giants haven't had one in quite some time. Well, when you
4: keep running to camp with three different guys. Right. Thinking that you're going to be able to go Voltron. Yeah, the, the 80s nerd reference there. Right. That somehow you're <laughs> going to piece these guys together and and they, they make one back. Well, they can't all be on the field at the same time. Right. So as much as you'd like to have that, uh, you know, the, which is why as an offensive weapon or whatever term we're giving Le'Veon Bell, that's why he has his value. Mm-hmm. Now he's got the knucklehead effect having been suspended a couple times as well as having a few injuries, which is why I think it's now hit a difficult proposition with all the carries and touches that he's had to where if I'm the Steelers, maybe I'm a little reticent to give him that. Well, and and you've, he's shown that he'll hold out and he's – as productive as he is, there's just that question of well, what's the odometer tipping scale for a guy? And for for him, it, it's also the the fact of at least from where where I'm looking at it is you're you're trying to decide going forward is he if you're going to commit to three or four years when's he done? And I I would guess that we're looking at a 400 touch season once he actually shows up and they get every last drop of Le'Veon Bell that they can.
2: The thing I didn't like is it's just no matter how you feel about Le'Veon Bell and, you know, and they know him better than we know him because they're, he's part of the organization and they have their own internal views on him Mm -hmm. and his antics and his off the field uh, situations. If you, if that was the case, but you don't, you don't, Offer him a contract like that, and then you know, make it seem like he doesn't want that type of money. They offered him a, what, it was a 70 million dollar contract or something like right. that, but in essence, it wasn't that. No,
4: it was all this back ended, right? It was right. 10 million dollars guaranteed,
2: sure. which is less than what he'd make in the under the Straight uh franchise franchise tag, back. right? Sure. So, a lot of people didn't realize they were like, 70 million dollars, how would he
4: no, well, yeah, but that's that, the problem with NFL. That's contracts That's a ghost number, whole, right? Other than Kirk Cousins,
2: right? right, there's, right. A,
4: there's a lot of that's a, that's a lot exactly of fake, right. I mean, if we're going to use the the presidential term of fake news, that's, NFL look, contracts often I mean, go we got to stop using Lynch. that term. I
2: hate that term. All right.
4: Uh, well, phony math. There you go. Uh, fake math. Yeah. Bogus it's, it's, math. Whatever. It, <laughs> fuzzy fuzzy math. Yeah, whatever, whatever. you want to term it. It. it, it it's. The, it's a good sticker. But that's not yeah, actually it looks what good you're paid. It, it,
2: it looks good but the fact of the matter is they guaranteed him 10 million dollars so if he goes out first game breaks his leg never can play again they're only on the hook for 10 million dollars right. and he would be cut and gone and it was a win-win for them right he would have never gotten to the part of that contract where he was actually being paid you know so well, we just know
4: the way the NFL works yeah so, it, man, it, they're gonna find a way a reason but publicly people
2: that. thought he was turning down $70 million. So they were like, well, why would you do that? And not knowing the complexity and the way that these contracts are structured in the, uh, in the NFL, it was insulting. Like, if you – I would have preferred them offer him, you know, a $30 million. two-year
4: 35 and just be done with you it. You know what I mean?
2: And then, you know, go from there. But don't come out with this, this crazy number and be like, hey, look, we're trying to give him this money. He doesn't want it. Because now he doesn't look like a team guy. He knows his worth. He knows his value. And he knows how much they use him. So as a player, you must protect yourself. And because teams, they've shown that they will ride you to your wheels fall off. And then they will move on. So as a player, when you're in a position for a new contract, you know your worth. They know your value. It's important for you to... Number one, take a stand. And number two, you know, watch yourself physically. Like you, they wanted him to come to training camp, go through all of this and, and you know, put more mileage, more, you know, banging on your body. And weren't, and they weren't willing to, to step up with their contract. So I'm, hey, look, I hate that he's holding out because for running backs trying to come back a week before the regular season, usually we see hamstrings, we see groins, because sure. you can't simulate the type of workouts you get in training camp and in the preseason. I just hope he stays healthy because that'd be the worst thing that can happen. You hurt yourself uh, in, a, in a holdout contract year.
4: Another factor that comes into play. We'll continue this conversation as we roll through the show this morning. He's e from Salam. I'm Mike Harmon. Rinder Fox Sports Sunday brought to you by Granger. The products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming up next, we take a Hit the rewind and catch you up on what you might have missed last night. Welcome back in Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Ephraim Salam. Welcome to the show. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Find from at from Salam. We're pleased to be coming to you from the Geico studio week one NFL preseason. We've got all the replays going on here in the studio. Ephraim and I. Pointing out the good, the bad, and the ugly as we're watching. And, and we've got Buffalo Carolina replay on, so maybe we'll get a little more of Calvin Benjamin and Cam Newton, which we're going to get into that about 10 minutes from now. But it's time, as we do each and every Sunday morning, to welcome in Isaac Lohenkron, And He's going to catch up on
7: what you missed while you were sleeping. What's up, buddy? Hey, Michael and Ephraim on this edition of While You Were Sleeping. Social media, a cautionary tale. Chapter Infinity. Last night, Isaiah Thomas, guard now of the Denver Nuggets, on Instagram Live, and had some comments about his former city of Cleveland that have gotten him into some social media hot water. Listen.
2: I'm just saying, Sac, LA, and Boston was all love. Phoenix was cool. Y'all didn't rock with me. (laughs) Because y'all signed me, and then y'all got mad that I was hooping, I guess, messing up. Cleveland was a bleep hole. I see why LeBron left. Again.
7: Cleveland was a bleep hole. I see why LeBron left. Again. As you can tell, it was on Instagram live, but it quickly went viral with those negative comments about the lovely city of Cleveland hmm. causing Isaiah Shortly thereafter, to issue this retraction, if you will, an apology on Instagram Live.
2: Cleveland wasn't that bad. I shouldn't have said that. That was my fault. Cleveland was actually <laughs> cool. It was it was alright. The situation just wasn't the best, but I didn't. I apologize for saying it was a. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. A <laughs> hole. The team was dope. The players was filthy. My guy Geo. Training staff was cold. Nah, Cleveland was cool. I I shouldn't have said that. That was my bad.
7: No concerns about his defensive athletic ability with the quickness that he was able to backpedal on that. So, Nuggets fans look forward to that.
4: How quickly do you think his agent got in touch with him? Go, dude, you needed the long term deal. Stop burning bridges. There's already a question of why you're on your sixth team in your NBA career.
2: Yeah, that was reckless right there. And (laughs) when social media goes wrong, man, like you got to, as a professional athlete, you got to know everything you say means something no matter who you're talking to when it's dealing with social media
4: right even if you and i talking i could tweet at you and you know exactly what i mean anybody else reading it just says oh look at what he did yep it could be a private you know private joking beef from whatever else that you and i completely understand isaiah thomas here Remember, he he stepped forward pretty quickly saying, look, they were bad defensively before I got on the court when he finally made his arrival in in Cleveland. And then he ended up becoming one of the worst, if not the worst, statistical defender in the last quarter century by some metrics. Well,
2: yeah, he's he doesn't have the capabilities to be. Uh, a standout defensive no, stalwart. He's a defensive liability. But just, but just liability. running his mouth right. is really a worthy thing. When you have such deficiencies, you don't need to draw more attention to yourself. Because the one thing people hate from a loud mouth is they hate when you start poking fun or picking things apart, whether it be a city or a team or a teammate, because the first thing they're going to do is dive into your deficiencies. The first thing they're going to do it's asked the question, well, why are you on six teams in such a short time in the NBA? Why don't you have a long, long-term deal? So in situations like this, less is more, right? Find yourself a place, a home in the NBA, where you can build. Yeah, you can score, but we've seen that if it's not in the right situation or the right team, which was only one, and I was in Boston, right, where they just gave you the ball and everybody was just like, okay, we'll just play off of you very few teams in the NBA like that. Isaiah Thomas,
4: lighten it up and not from beyond the arc today. Good times all around. Hey, we love when the quotes keep going. NBA creeping in on the NFL territory again. Coming up next, more NFL Week 1. Greetings. Welcome in Hour 2 of the program. Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon, Ephraim Salam with you. Uh, We appreciate a few minutes of your time as you're on the highways and byways. Maybe last throws of your summer vacation for your kids where they head back and you go back to whatever quote unquote normalcy there is to your daily routine. We appreciate you giving us a a few minutes of your time. Addie from Salam is where you can find him on Twitter. 13-year NFL vet breaking it down with me this morning. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Dan Byer will be back next week, and we'll begin in earnest our quest to get you ready to dominate your fantasy football leagues. We will have some fantasy news a little later uh, coming off of these week one preseason games, a couple of names that are popping up on the board that maybe if you're getting into your drafts earlier, perhaps well the rest of your League mates are just a bunch of dopes that you'll be able to to get over on them later in the draft. We'll get that get into that uh, next hour, about forty minutes from now. We'll play the feud, uh, recalling some of the low points of last year's NFL campaign. Because, you know, I've got to find some kind of balance in the force here, Ephraim. If we're going to have all the highs and excitement about the greatness of what people did here, you know, we, we've got to balance that with a little bit of the lows. So we'll go into some stats there. But for you, memories of your 13 years in the National Football League and prep time, know as we're sitting here in the Geico studios, you see your eyes and you start shaking your head thinking about some of those schedules that the players are keeping, trying to get themselves just right to where they can put their uniform on on Thursday or Friday nights in the first week of a preseason.
2: Yeah, it's uh training camp. Uh, I said earlier in the week that it, it looking at it now and watching these guys with these helmets and uniforms on out there in, in two a days, it just gives me anxiety. I couldn't even imagine doing this. I remember late in my career year, 11, 12, I remember just standing outside in Houston with my helmet on, looking through my face mask in the blistering heat <laughs> doing training camp thinking, I've spent half my life looking through a face mask. And I'm just looking through it. And
4: You ever think about just wearing one around just, no, just for giggles no, 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 down no, in the no, streets no, no, of Los Angeles? No, no, no. I think it'd be cool.
2: <laughs> no, no. No, I already stick out. I'm 6'8". Last thing I need to do is be walking around the streets of Los Angeles. Can with I borrow a helmet? A helmet? <laughs> right.
4: Well, actually, no. <laughs> Calling attention to yourself. Right. Six, hey, What's he gonna do? He's got a helmet. All we need is some pads, and he's starting to blow blow guys up on the corner.
2: Right. Right. Just running through people in the mall. He's the juggernaut. <laughs> but I, I, I just you know, it's training camp is a time where you know you don't have any time for you. You know what I mean? Well, I
4: mean I, the goal is to eliminate all. Distraction,
2: all distractions, yeah. and what, they, whatever
4: you want to call a distraction,
2: and they set it up for that reason. That's why a lot of teams go out to s- small colleges and stay in dorms, and you, you find yourself in a twin bed or in a bunk bed. Uh, these grown giant men uh, <laughs> sharing rooms and bathrooms, and it's just to make you uncomfortable. It's it's to build camaraderie with your teammates, and it's to get away from the world. So you get away from the family, you get away from girlfriends, side pieces, or whatever you want to call it, and you just focus on football. And this the, the schedule is structured to where you're literally eat, sleep, drink, football. That's it. Film, playbook, practice. Film, playbook, practice.
4: Pass out, dream about it for a couple hours. It, and we, get up, get retaped, and do it again.
2: Yeah, because you don't get like eight, nine hours of sleep. Who does? You know what I mean? And it's all the parents out there.
4: I, I raised my cup of coffee
2: to <laughs> you as well. it's just uh, you know, it's a time of year where the older you get, the more you hate it.
4: Well as you got deeper into your career, obviously changes in the CBA mm-hmm. and some of the rules of what oh, you can actually gracious. do. Certainly uh to the player's benefit. One of the one of the wins and one might have some questions of what it means for the product overall in terms of practice time and being able to be on the field as much as you were as much as physically it may have been demanding did it make for a better game in terms of execution but,
2: Well yeah having two full uh, full padded practices every day for five and a half weeks.
4: Yeah, about five, right? Right. Yeah. That'll
2: get you ready to go. I mean, that'll get you but, ready but, to go. But it's the question of
4: where the tipping point is, I guess, right. is what was in the argument with the last CBA and
2: players. It's excessive now. It is definitely excessive, and it does wear on your body. So What was happening, guys were getting so banged up and so beat up going into the regular season. Had a lot of guys with lingering injuries and, you know, not things that will put them out, but no one wants to go into the season not healthy. That's the worst thing because you well, know that's, that's the goal, right? It's right. just,
4: you, you know, after game one, if we're going to go into the video game mode, that your energy bar is never getting back to no. you, never getting anywhere near a hundred percent as you, soon as the, you, the, you strap it on. You'll
2: get to about 85% coming off your buy. But other than that, good luck. You know, it's just it's every week that that energy bar is going down lower and lower and lower
4: praying for week 17 to come if you're not playoff bound but you know as as a, as a veteran right as, as you were in your final years where did you find the, the cheats where did you find the, oh. the efficiencies to, for for yourself I mean obviously there, there's a question of who has clout and right. things you can put in right versus if you don't have that clout how do, how do you uh, find a way to make things maybe a, a little more uh, tolerable
2: so as I got older uh, number one in my contract, after I believe after year seven, I no longer had two days, so that was in my contract. So that could actually go into a contract. Yes, that really? goes into a contract. How about that? I will not practice twice a day at any point. Can you zerox me
4: that page and I I could just put it up on my wall, <laughs> right? So
2: I knew that I would work out in the I would practice in the morning. Okay. And then I'd use the afternoon out there with the younger guys, helping them. So you were still or, around, though? Yeah, I was around. I, or okay. i will go work out. Okay. You know, do some film study, something like that.
4: Uh, you know, you weren't sending pictures of yourself watching a movie.
2: No, 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 no. Kicking
4: back with a, a nice icy coat. No, some no.
2: I was still involved in there. I just didn't have the wear and tear and the banging okay. on my body, which, you know, it goes well the older you get. And and also in some, some teams – and Houston did this. If you were older, you had the option to stay at home during training camp, which makes a huge difference. Just coming home to your bed every night, and your Not wife, on the, uh, or your the girlfriend, bed. or your side piece, whatever it, it, it is that made you comfortable, it gave you some, you know, semblance of of normality. Right. And that made it meant all the difference in the world. Even though you were only there for a brief amount of time, you get there at about nine thirty. You come in, you you know, say hi to your wife and kids. You lay down, you wake up at 6 o'clock and you, or 5.30, and you're, you're back at it. But just being in your own bed has a huge psychological effect on how your day is going to go.
4: And there you have it. Words of wisdom and – and uh... Well, game cheats if we're going to stay in the
2: video game mode (laughs) as you go. I'm giving you the cheat codes.
4: There you go. Fox Sports Radio. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Go ahead and visit geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. Now it's time for me to see if I can even things up. We bring back in Sam Kinsley, our executive producer, Ryan Dennis, and we get another serving of hot takes and sauces. Ryan?
5: All right. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit. Uh, recently retired MLB player Jason Worth, you know, bearded man, kind of looks like Grizzly Adams, uh, recently said on the Howard Eskin podcast that baseball is going younger and that the super nerds are killing the sport. You know, not in just baseball, but we've seen a lot of sports kind of embracing analytics more and more when they're making decisions, including football a little bit in some ways. So do you guys think that the super nerds, quote unquote, are killing the sport of baseball and sports in general, or are they actually just enhancing them? Mike Harmon. I
4: don't think it's killing it. I think it's a matter of how much you get a critical mass of people buying in to and certainly for Jason Worth, he's bitter because he's out of the game, right? And part of that was his agent went super nerd. And he had Scott Bur- Boris, who is also probably the biggest nerd of them all in terms of bringing in giant stacks of paper to tell you what his client was worth. And then you'd fight. And when you got a guy with the tenure and injury history and everything of Jason Worth, that's a harder sell at this point, which is why he needed to then start calling teams. Although he wouldn't call the Mets, interestingly enough. Said, I want no part of them. But. It is it a killing game? No. It may be changing how we have to look at the game, and certainly when we worth part of that saying, hey, they're going younger. Yeah, they're always going younger. In any business, any business, think about whatever you're doing as you're listening to us at Fox Sports Sunday. There's always the opportunity to go try to find the younger, cheaper alternative. And if you're a major league baseball veteran with so many years you're talking about a minimum salary. In the NFL, you're talking about a, a floor that that's higher than bringing in the new guy. Can you get 85% of capacity off a guy that's making half the money? A lot of times, if you can cover that up with another player that's under contract, you're going to try to build in those efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen from doing the analytics and trying to figure out where you can cover. And where you can, yeah, there there's going to be big gains. And for a guy like Worth, yeah, he's finding himself on the outs. If he wants to blame the computers and someone running an algorithm for that, then I think he's misguided.
2: All right. Well, in terms of uh, the nerdish, dweebish uh, analytic guys killing sports, I'd say it's having an adverse effect on it because let's look at the NBA. Uh, Analytics has pushed the entire game towards three point shooting um, and it's making uh, quality positions extinct. You look at what's happened uh, to the center position in the NBA, it's no longer a viable uh, position. They even took it off the all star ballot and now they're just, you know, because. You don't even guys don't even learn how to play with their back to the basket. It's a stretch four, a stretch five. The terminology has changed, but we look what happened to uh, uh, Houston in that uh, Western Conference Championship, where they refuse they refused for a large portion of that game to shoot any other shot than the three, even though they were over for twenty six at one point on the three point line, opposed to just going to the rim or getting the ball down low, getting easy buckets, getting to the free throw line. When you rely heavily on analytics, yeah, it may help you some, but in the long run, if you just solely use that, then I think you're doing a disservice to athletes, their abilities, uh, when it's coming from guys who've never played before. And I'm always in favor of the athletes. I'm always in favor – of putting in the hard work and, and getting your game better and not taking away a portion of the game or skill level because the numbers say so. And, yeah, of course, I do agree with that it's getting younger. Of course it's getting younger. Once you get a certain age in professional sports, you know that you will be replaced at some point in time with someone younger, just like I replaced someone older and someone younger replaced me. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, honestly –
5: it's it's true, you know. Is every everything's getting younger in every facet of business or anything you're walking in walks of life? Um, but I think analytics are good here and there. But I I like what uh, Mike Harmon said. I think Jason Worth,
4: he's probably just bitter that he's not on the team oh, right what? now. Now I will say this with regard to to your NBA, it's got you just got to be the bold guy to stand against it. Right? right. I mean, the the newspapers and the blogs may tell you this is the way you have to play a game. If you could find a seven foot guy that'll play with his back to the basket Don't and indeed. actually be beefy, right, and be a be a big guy and be willing to be a big guy mm-hmm. and not say, hey, I'm going to change my game. You know, it, it takes coaches going down from AAU all the way through to just say, hey, you can make a career here and and be this guy as opposed to you know what, let's work on your 18 foot jump shot. Like, why? Right. You you have a physical advantage. Imagine Shaquille O'Neal
2: shooting three-pointers.
4: No, but that's the point. Right. You go with what makes sense. So the fact that you're dope as a coach, as an organization, and you say, you know what, this is what we need to do, that's on you. Okay, and for for players, if you are a seven foot guy, yeah, you want to expand your game and you want to have more in the toolbox. Mm -hmm. You should be down on the low block. Yeah, right. Kristaps Porzingis should not be hanging out at the three point line.
2: Right, as as good as he may be. If if Shaquille O'Neal was coming up right now as the young strapping uh, Shaquille when he was at LSU and in high school and all of that, he in today's basketball culture, he would. Have to develop a three-point shot, and
4: everybody should be fired
2: which for not takes, recognizing
4: that you got you got a guy that could just own you.
2: Because that's what analytics <laughs> say, right? And I, I I think it's a disservice because you have guys who have that type of physique and that stature who are being who are not focusing and honing in on their God-given abilities and their gifts close to the basket. And so, like you say, you get a Porzingis who shoots, you know, five threes a game. You get a Joel Embiid who does destroy people on the box, but he still shoots four threes a game. You get DeMarcus Cousins, shoots five threes a game. Like, all of that, uh, I'm not a fan of that because I like the dominance inside out. Right,
4: and That's it, right? Well, that, that's also coming from an offensive lineman who loves the run of game. Course. He from Salam, 13-year <laughs> NFL vet. I'm Mike Harmon. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Coming up next, we've talked about hard practices. We've talked about the grind of training camp, an ugly story in Maryland, college football in the crosshairs once again. We get into that next, Fox Sports Sunday. Take that for data. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Ephraim Salam, 13 years in the National Football League. Follow him on Twitter at Ephraim Salam. Find me over at Swollen Dome. We appreciate you taking a few minutes of your Sunday morning, whether you're coming in or out of services. Maybe you're in services and you're just having an earpiece. Uh, I, I give you a, a knowing nod and a wave because we used to have guys calling on a fantasy show, Ephraim that would step out during the homily (laughs) to get a a, a lineup advice and whatever. It's like, listen to it, but you have it addressed by two guys. And they'd be whispering because they'd be in the vestibule. uh, Yeah, I'm – Yes. And you can hear the organ in the background, all that <laughs> stuff. Uh fantasy football coming back uh to Fox Sports Sunday here very soon. Reminder, we're coming to you from the Geico Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. You could switch to Geico, go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Coming up in about 10 minutes from now, we'll get it more into the beef that continues between former teammates in the NFL. But as we've been talking about training camp and the rigors of training camp, an ugly story out of Maryland football and obviously the Big Ten, center of a lot of these terrible stories throughout uh, the, the college football landscape. Go back to Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, you, you look at everything that has gone on. There's been so many issues. And now here at in Maryland, you have several current University of Maryland football players, people close to this program describing a toxic coaching culture under DJ Durkin. We heard the news yesterday that everybody's been kind of put, putting time out while they figure things out and do an investigation. They've not put a time limit on like they have in the urban Meyer situation. And, at Ohio State, where it's like, all right, we'll have this figured out in 14 days. And then there were a bunch of twists and turns and allegations about that to where Tom Herman's name suddenly got mixed in before Brett McMurphy, who reported uh, on the Zane Smith and Urban Meyer story, had to say, well, look, I normally don't sources or talk about sources one way or the other. Uh, I can tell you Tom Herman wasn't. So that story continues to take on a different world. But now you have a lineman, Jordan McNair, who died in June after a football workout, 19 years old, doing 110 yard wind sprints, showing signs of extreme exhaustion and had a difficulty uh, standing upright. No cause of death was released. But a report from ESPN on Friday said that he died of heat stroke Suffering, suffered during the workout, a body temperature of 106 degrees after being taken to the hospital. So a number of players uh, have spoken uh, to ESPN about the culture under Durkin and strength and conditioning coach Rick Court going back uh, to one of his first hires uh, at Maryland in 2015, talking about fear and intimidation of meals being slapped out of the hands, angry confrontations, humiliation, embarrassment in the weight room and loud uh, expletive laden commentary uh, and go through and and just a culture that in 2018 is not allowed is is not allowed to stand. And the question now, as I I have for you, Ephraim, in in your years between college and, and going into the pros that, you know, how much of this is transparency now, because when you tell me that there's expletive-laden tirades in a film session or in the weight room, I'm shrugging and saying, okay, I, I remember having coaches drag me by my helmet and knocking helmets with other players when I missed a blocking assignment when I was 10. Right. So, you know, having someone curse at me was not something that really gets, my, gets me in a lather. I shrug. Now, obviously, running 110-degree, 110 110-yard 110 sprints – in extreme temperatures and, and long workouts. And that is one of the things, certainly as a pro, you know, you fight back as a union and raise your hand for college athletics. There's a code that's supposed to be adhered to and, and everything else. But when, when you heard this story come out and thinking back to your days, you know, where, where, where is that line in terms of coaching and trying to toughen players to where you've gone to excess?
2: Well, first uh, I want to say, you know, my heart and prayers goes out to Jordan McNair and his 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 family, uh, for loss of their son, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a shame. Whenever you have tragedy like this, uh, on any level, uh, uh, through sports and training, uh, it's a shame, and policies have to be looked at and changed. I remember uh Corey Stringer passed away in the NFL.
4: Sure, a lot, of, a lot of change. A lot of, lot of things little, Everybody paused at that well, you, one, sure, in you, you Minnesota. Sure. That's right,
2: and it was excessive, right? It was excessive training without water breaks because you couldn't get a play right or training in uh, excess heat. We were talking during one of the breaks about how Jacksonville had changed their practice schedule because it was too hot and too humid during the day.
4: Right, so you were at the facility, what, 9 a.m. was a.m. first whistle? 8 a.m. was first practice. Or 8, a, 8 a.m. first whistle, and then, and then you had uh, Film review, and
2: we had a whole day in the middle, and then our next practice would be at uh, nine nine p.m.
4: So in theory, it had gone down to what eighty five degrees outside right. at that point. But the sun, right? It was the but sun, the sun wasn't there. Right. right? It, it,
2: was, it was the sun. Uh, so things had been changing, and prior to the Corey situation, that wasn't the case. It was sought to be part of the toughness of you being able to battle through the elements, no matter how extreme they were, uh, for football, football is all about being tough. Football is all about, um, not succumbing to the body's natural urges to stop or, or or rest because you're pushing yourself further than you've ever thought possible. And it's, it's, it's on par with becoming the best you can be, you know, um, That's why everybody can't do it. But with that said, there are limitations, and the body can only take so much. Uh, And it's up to those, especially on the college level, to recognize that and, and adhere to that. And if any of this is true in terms of the toxic situation and environment that was going on in Maryland, then shame on them and... I mean, this is a situation where criminal charges could be could be levied because if this is the work environment, and these are kids, you got to remember, and the pros is different, right? So if I'm something's happening in the pros and I don't want, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that, right? Like you, you're a grown man, you're being paid, right? So you can be like, yo, look, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm hang back.
4: Well, it's the also trust that you've. Hit that level to where you're in the pros, and so you you're going to get that. Right. You know your body suddenly right. more at 22, just being in the league a year versus mm-hmm. being a college athlete. And
2: in in on the collegiate level, you don't want to do anything to upset the coaches or or to stop, uh, or to hamper your ability to continue to play and to get on the field and to live out your dream, whether it be going to the NFL or whatever that may be. Uh, paying for school through your scholarship so you don't, your voice isn't as loud. Your voice isn't as loud and you deal with whatever comes. Now cussing and all of that, that's just part of the game to me. You know, uh, football is a very emotional game and coaches can get very emotional, especially when things aren't going right. Sure. But, and you know, I, I don't think the questioning of manhood and homophobic slurs and those things, those aren't needed. Like You can cuss at somebody without any of that type of stuff. But if the culture is toxic, like it was reports that he would throw weights at, 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 at players who who didn't reach certain milestones in the weight room and, and things like that, these kids are, are petrified. Nobody wants to come out and say anything because obviously this is how it's been done there, and you don't want to be the one guy who says something and nothing happens, and now you don't have a scholarship? They badmouth you around the NCAA, like all kinds of things go go through a, a teenager's in and in a young adult's mind when it comes to scholarship athletes and and and, and just being quiet and settling for or and accepting what's going on. And I, I think it's a shame, man. I if any of this is true, then then shame on them. That's horrific. Someone has died. Someone has died.
4: Yeah, the players
2: that spoke to
4: ESPN said the voluntary workouts June-July were less strenuous, less less of that atmosphere, but then as soon as they got back to regular camp, that the same pervasive attitude and toxicity is the term that keeps being used, uh, returned. There's an investigation ongoing in the next couple of weeks, a couple of reports from athletic trainers should be coming out uh, to give us a little more clarity as to exactly what occurred here, we'll keep an eye on it. He's E from Salam. I'm Mike Harmon. E from 13 years in the NFL, giving us his perspective on the workouts uh, and the process getting ready for camp. Uh, he'll talk about well, how do you get along with players? Do quarterbacks and wide receivers really need to love one another? That's next. But first, we step out to Isaac Lowengrund and we find out what's trending.
7: Michael and Ephraim, the final round of the PGA Championship tees off today. Brooks Kepka, 12-under as a two-shot lead over Adam Scott, who's in sole possession of second place. Tiger Woods, four shots back at 8-under after a 4-under 66 in round three. Tiger will tee off the final round at 235 Eastern. Kepka at 255 Eastern. NFL, the Chicago Bears are signing veteran free agent running back Nile Davis. On the field last night, Kirk Cousins, 4-for-4 4 4 for 42 yards at a touchdown in his Vikings debut and a win over the Broncos. And other Vikings QB, Trevor Simeon, 11-of-17 for 165 with two touchdown passes against his former team, the Broncos. Josh Rosen, 6-of-13 for 41 yards in his Arizona Cardinals debut in a 24-17 win over the Chargers. And finally, in case you missed it earlier... Last night, Denver Nuggets guard Isaiah Thomas got into some hot water on social media when he referred to Cleveland as a "bleep hole" on Instagram Live, adding, I can see why LeBron left. Again, Thomas later apologized, tweeting, quote, I apologize for my choice of words about Cleveland. I was playing around. All love to everybody who had love for me in Cleveland, unquote, and is is so often the case on social media. A lot of amusement. In the comments section of that tweet, including this gem, quote, Is this because you couldn't get on the rides at Cedar Point? Oh! (laughs) Cedar Point for the uninitiated being a Cleveland-area amusement park, and Isaiah Thomas being 5'9". Michael and Ephraim
4: as a vertically challenged man myself i can ride those rides well so ephraim is
7: yeah ephraim is not vertically challenged no. but can you be too tall yes. right to ride yes no.
2: you can you can be too tall which in most cases i am sorry man that's okay it's been since I was like 15, 16 years old. But if you went I on this if I
7: you know. were in like in the same car on the ride with Isaiah Thomas, would that balance balance it out? Because you're so tall and he's so not tall. No, nah, my legs don't fit in most of like no.
2: a, the safety bar. Like you can't pull it down over my legs.
4: So that's why you need to go on some of those floating rides. Like you, yeah, but I mean, even there's then, one here at Universal. Yeah, like, even, right. If you go on the Harry Potter, was yeah, but that work even then, legs? when
2: you put the they have the harness over the yeah. shoulders. And you sit on the seat and you put the horn. <laughs> my
4: too shoulders, elevated. yeah, my uh, shoulders
2: are too big, so it doesn't come down all the way. That's now, it. I, that's you know.
4: our idea. We need someone to uh, go fund yourself a, a, an amusement park for taller people.
2: I know, and I'm going to Disneyland today too. I uh, how about that? Taking the kids to Disneyland one last uh, getaway trip before school starts on Tuesday for my for my youngins. Well, so, you'll
4: get some good pictures of them on the ride. Yeah, I'd just
2: be walking around. For the most part, it's fun though. It's just, people
4: watching is still a, a fun in, environment. Yeah,
2: well, my my wife and kids go. They have passes. I I go maybe once, twice a year. Ah, uh, see, there you go. So,
4: so he funds it and then occasionally indulges away. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Head on over to Geico.com or call eight hundred nine four seven AUTO. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Now at the end of this past week, we had, as the world churns the NFL preseason beginning and the confrontation between Cam Newton and Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin last weekend took his shots, talking about accuracy, holding him back, holding him back. If I'd been with a better quarterback, a more accurate quarterback, and he went and he named three guys, one of which was Eli Manning. I know he knows about the football hitting dude in the head and all, but, um, Eli's thrown a lot of picks through the years, so yes. maybe not the best example to throw in, but the point was well taken of, hey, Cam Newton, you're not accurate with his 59% career completion percentage, etc. So after this week's preseason game, so we had all the fallout, right? Cam goes onto the field, tries to engage. Benjamin wants no part of it. In the postgame, says I wasn't going to hear any of that. Cam says, "Ah, all love on on his Instagram, whatever." He made sure the camera was there to catch the moment. Did it in public, which I liked, as opposed to just going and and on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, responding there. Tried to tried to talk to him. Probably knew what the re- reaction would be, and whatever the beef is behind it, maybe Benjamin thinking he got him booted out of Carolina and sent to Buffalo, or among perhaps a million other things, some of which are too uh, unsavory to speculate about on a Sunday morning but the the fact is that Benjamin's now a member of the Buffalo Bills they play Carolina Benjamin has a nice touchdown reception and then he immediately goes on to praise the accuracy of one Nathan Peterman Peterman hmm. as we remember had five interceptions and a half um so accuracy. pretty accurate well he was accurate throwing to the other team hey no question about a catch it catches the catch four catches, 59 yards, and a score in the preseason win against the Panthers, but praising Peterman in his comments saying, quote, that boy, Nate Peterman, with the accuracy. What? How much of this is just, hey, I'm going to get a little bit of run because once we get the regular season started in Buffalo, no one's paying attention to me? Uh, or, you know, is are we going to get some more uh, – more of the details, do you think, start creeping out between what really is at issue with Kelvin Benjamin? Or is he merely looking at Sammy Watkins' money and these Brandon Cooks' money and saying, hey, if Cam could have caught me, maybe I've got that kind of contract?
2: Well, I, you know, the thing I, I look at with the whole Kel, Kelvin Benjamin situation is, do you remember when he came to tra- training camp at like 290 pounds?
4: Yeah, no, he was uh, turning into a tight end before our very eyes.
2: Right, so when you start pointing the finger at others on why you're not successful, you have to look at yourself first. At no point in the history of wide receivers has a receiver come to training camp at 290-anything, right? Well, Mike
4: Williams did that when he was in his uh, second run. That didn't end very well. Yeah,
2: we're not talking about that. We're we're talking (laughs) about in terms of...
4: Well, no, I'm not talking about that idiotic NCAA thing where they made him go play video games because of dumb rules. That was ridiculous. Whatever else.
2: But But what I'm talking about is the fact that before you can point at other people, do you know what it takes and how long it, it would take for you to lose that type of weight, get yourself in shape, able to run a route and catch a pass from any quarterback. So if he would have come in in shape every year and, and everything would have been on par and he worked his, his his butt off to be the type of receiver that warranted that big contract and it didn't work out for him, the relationship with him and Cam was, was different, then I get, I get that. But until you do everything you need, you can't convince me that Nate Peterman... Is a better quarterback than Cam Newton? Not gonna happen, right? Well, it makes for a nice headline here. It does make it makes for a great headline, but the fact that you know Cam tried to come over and squash it and be like, "Yo, what's going on?" and Kelvin Benjamin didn't want to have anything to do with them, it lets me know that it's something deeper, right? It's some some deep seated. There's some other stuff going on. There's some other stuff going on. We may never know. Some
4: TMZ like, and I don't
2: think we should know. Right, I don't think we should know. I think it's none of our business. I think it's good fodder because you know football starting up, and and who doesn't love dysfunction? Sure. Uh, but you know, I'd take Cam over Benjamin any day. Well, clearly had a huge year while he well, you know,
4: Nate Nate Peterman probably isn't on that team when (laughs) when it's all said and
2: done. You know, so for me, I, I look at it like, okay, well, we'll see that preseason game, and we. You saw they were targeting him right off. Sure. They were going to prove a point. Right. They knew the, the temperature of what was going right. on. So Buffalo was going to come out. They were going to target him. He looked great. What do we say about young players and young quarterbacks in the preseason? Let's wait to the regular season. So if Kelvin Benjamin has an all-world year, then we can readdress this he was at the end of the. Motivated,
4: good, good on him. If that's what's going to fuel you, him to the guy if that that's we what thought you we need? were going to see five years ago, then great.
2: If that's what you need, then so be it. Uh, but we know Cam can play at a high level, at an MVP level. We know he can get his team to the Super Bowl uh, without Benjamin. Well, but right. But the big idea with
4: with Benjamin was the fact that you had a receiver of, of that height with that physicality and wingspan was in theory to erase. A little bit of Cam's inaccuracy, right? Right. Just I mean, throw that's it up, and he'll bring, go get it. Bring the guy to go. Number go one, in. you got to
2: be healthy. You got to be on the field. Availability, right? your availability. Best availability. So, just let's look at ourselves before we start throwing stones, right?
4: Words of advice, Ephraim Salam, preaching wisely here. Fox Sports Sunday. Find him on Twitter at Ephraim Salam. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Coming up next, we play our favorite game and we celebrate. Well, the the misery of 2017 and try to kick it to the curb one more time. That's next on Fox Sports Sunday. Locked and loaded. Coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Ephraim Salam. Dan Beyer back with us next week. You can find Ephraim on Twitter, at @E Ephraim Salam. Uh, go in and ask your questions and get the wisdom of 13 years in the National Football League. As the show continues, we'll dice dice up Week one of the preseason, some of the good, the bad, the ugly that we saw and expectations as we roll towards the regular season and what this all means and how we're supposed to put this in the proper context as we go through uh, the different lenses. But now it's time to do something, uh, well, that we all love to. Get everybody together. It's family time. Welcome in. It's time to play the Family Feud here on Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. I am your host, Mike Carmen in for Dan Byer. see if I can fill his shoes capably. Ephraim Salam going to play. Sam Kinsley, our technical director, going to play. Isaac Lowenkron joins us, and Ryan Dennis, our executive producer. Guys, today we are looking back to the misery of 2017. We're going to take top seven answers on the board. The lowest scoring teams... In last year's National Football League regular season campaign, top seven are on the board. Ephraim, would you care to start us off? Yeah. All right. Give me one of those seven teams.
2: Uh. How about... Bad teams, Ephraim. Come on. I know, I know. Hold on, hold on. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's go with the Browns. All of that for the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) (laughs) Show me the Browns. (laughs) Number one answer at (laughs) 14.6 points per game. What are you, a
4: politician filibustering? (laughs) Ryan Dennis. The Bears? Show me the Chicago Bears. The Bears. They were the fourth worst at 16.5. Points per game. Sam Kidsley. I'll try the Bills. Show me the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> oh, Buffalo. Maybe I'm Not just going off Not quite to what, the, the level of ineptitude. Yeah. Uh, they were 22nd in the league in scoring. Isaac ah, Lohenkron. How about the Colts? No, Andrew Lutz. Sure, the Colts are there. <laughs> they were third worst, 16.4. Points Per game. Reminder that we're brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ephraim Salab, we're back to you. Back to the top. One strike. We still have four answers on the board.
2: Okay, let's go with Arizona.
4: Show me the Arizona Cardinals. Ah. 18.4. Four points per game just missed the list. And they were oh, come eighth, on. eighth worst in the National Football League. Ryan Dennis, back to you. The Striped Tigers, Cincinnati
2: Bengals. No.
4: Show me the Bengals. Nice. Yes, 18.1 points per game. Two strikes on the board. Still have three answers left. Sam Kinsley, we come back to you. Come on, boy, Sam. Boy,
2: boy. Let me think come about on, this, Sam. Ah. <sighs> Hmm. Geez,
4: this is uh okay. levels of ineptitude. You know what? I'll go. I'll go with uh
5: the Packers. How about that? When they did not have oh. Rodgers, maybe
4: bringing him down. Uh, we'll see. Interesting conceptually. Show me the Packers. Oh. oh, bummer. We have struck out. Packers were twenty first in the league at scoring at twenty really? points per game. Hmm. Huh. Show me number two. The New York Football Giants. Okay. Mm. 15.4 mm. points per game. Show me number five. The Miami Dolphins at 17.6 points per game.
2: That was my next guess. It's hard to remember bad teams, you know. It well, is. you try it, to you put block them. Out. You, you do your you have best. To
4: scroll through them all. Show me the final one. Tied for six, the Denver Broncos at 18.1 mm. points per per game and seeing what we did a little bit last night and preseason game number one for them. I don't know how much better Good that's going to get. Oh
2: Lord. Was that awful or what?
4: Chad Kelly, a couple of touchdowns and garbage
2: time. He raised his hand saying,
4: the rest of you stake. Maybe I can QB this thing.
2: Probably should have uh, drafted a quarterback. Uh,
4: Paxton Lynch getting one more long look-see. Case Keenum obviously comes in as a free agent.
2: Probably should have drafted one of the young quarterbacks, but though. John
4: Elway, other than lucking into Peyton Manning and the resurrection, <laughs> awful, got some problems.
2: Awful decision-making at the quarterback.
4: Yeah, so there's your, your top seven from last year, the level of an aptitude. We looked at Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield among the would-be savers. We'll continue that Denver Broncos conversation next on Fox Sports Sunday. Welcome back in. Final hour of the show, Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You can visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Mike Harmon alongside from Salam taking all the wisdom in that I can of his 13 years in the National Football League. Obviously, working with us here at Fox Sports Radio. Always a pleasure to have him in, conversing, especially this week, the first week of the preseason, getting some of the great stories of training camps past and just the evaluation as we do the breakneck speed of reacting and, in a lot of cases, overreacting to what all is going on here in the National Football League. Now, The other story we're watching as well is, well, the PGA Championship, Tiger Woods within a few strokes of the lead, which means everybody raises an eyebrow and will at least have that updating on their phones wherever they may be on a Sunday afternoon. We thank you for taking a few moments of your time to spend with us here uh, as we come to you from the Geico Studios. Uh, Sam is tapped out. Alex Teichert steps into the to the board to get us through this final hour welcome in Alex as well. Uh, we'll welcome him in fully when we get back to our last round of hot takes and sausage. But as we were talking about a few minutes ago, Ephraim, the Denver Broncos Ooh. and the quarterback position, you've got a, a defense that's still built to win, still built to, to keep you in games, but an offense that now we're wondering with Paxton Lynch, you bring in Case Keenum as a stopgap. Uh, and then certainly Chad Kelly, Mr. Irrelevant two years ago, and now the opportunity to get some reps 14 of 21 last night, 177 and 2. But the dismal first half that the Broncos showed in getting beaten up by the Vikings, and certainly Kirk Cousins to Stephon Diggs, something fantasy owners are hoping to see quite a bit, and Jay Gruden maybe every once in a while cursing in his offense uh, office because of how often he went after Kirk Cousins for the failures of the Redskins these past years, but we'll put that aside for a moment. Offensive line, you played in the league 13 years. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of quarterbacks come and go, either your squad or those that you were playing against how early in a camp now you go through OTAs and certainly the rules on that change we'll put that aside for a moment Mm -hmm. but how early into a camp are you looking around if you got a guy that just isn't making it that isn't evaluating and seeing what your eyes are and, and how you know passing that smell test as a quarterback and then how hard is if they've lost you a bit is it to regain your trust
2: uh, you know, pretty early on as an offensive line, because you spend a lot of time uh, with the quarterbacks. If he can, if he gets into the huddle, even in practice, and he can't quite get the formation and the play out, then it's like, okay, if someone's always constantly like, okay, no, it's trips left, or no, nope, we're in eleven personnel, and you realize right off that things may get too big for him because if you can't get the play right, then you can't possibly. Assess the defense and determine what the right play is. What, that in, that in entirety of, of the, the pre,
4: r- we hear pre snap read all the time. So that's kind of going out the window. It,
2: there. Yeah. So if you're struggling with just getting a play in and you don't have the full comprehension of the offense and what you need to do to be successful against a certain defense, you know, for every play, there are five or six variations depending on what the defense is. And those go hand-in-hand. That's why Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and and Drew Brees and all of these great, great quarterbacks because they know before they break the huddle defensively what's going to happen and what could happen, and they know a response to anything you can do defensively. And, of course, that's a lot to put on a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. But if he can't call the plays (laughs) – then I don't care how good the arm strength is or how good or fast he is out of the pocket. The first thing is communicating with us because when you get into a hostile environment, we got about 15 seconds to get the play, get up to the line and make our calls and adjustments and go. If you, if you, and, and I've been in situations where quarterbacks were struggling a little bit with play calling. um, But you know that, you know, you, that's, When a new quarterback or a young quarterback comes in, that's what the off that's what the alone time is for, right? Like Mm -hmm. not just in the in in, at the stadium or in the facility. It's what are you doing at home? Are we playing Madden? Are you studying the playbook? Like that. That's that's the key. The reason I got my opportunity as a rookie offensive lineman is someone got hurt and it was about four. Rookie offensive lineman, Art Shell, who was our O-line coach, the great Art Shell, would call us up to the board and just start naming plays, right? Run play, pass play, every mm-hmm. everything. And he said, draw draw the play up on the board. Every single position, receivers included. Look at that.
4: Cause, everything.
2: Because normally that's just attributed, if you
4: didn't believe the, the media side of things, it's just the quarterback that does that. Right,
2: right. He said, I want you to draw every single position. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I did about three plays, four plays in a row. And that moved me up the depth chart. That's how – See, knowledge is power, people. It right?
4: wasn't just a slogan on Saturday morning television. No, but I'm I'm, I'm saying like this, sure. is,
2: this is the part that people don't understand.
4: Well, there's a lot more mental. I mean, I think they – especially when you get into the trenches. Yeah. You like, know, and you look at offensive and defensive linemen. They just and, think, and, oh, and, and just,
2: and, you know – Root strength.
4: Well, but you're sitting here with me. We had Jeff Schwartz on earlier. The, when I used to do training camp tours, I'd want to talk to the linemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my producers might not have been excited <laughs> that that was not. the sound I was bringing back. Of and I'm course. like, they're actually going to tell me something yeah. about how things are working. The quarterback is going to give me a couple of cliches, might give me a little bit of an insight of which of the younger receivers he likes yeah, but- and that he's found a little bit of a rapport with. But he's not giving me anything nah. to The offensive is- linemen, defensive linemen, they're giving me some value.
2: Yeah, we I, and I would lean more towards the offensive linemen than defensive linemen because you know historically defensive linemen aren't the, the well they the, just the, have to, the sharpest tools in the well uh, attack ball attack ball <laughs> that's, right that's, Is the, that, that's that's the offensive lineman that, coming. That's out. just me, you know. Yeah, of course they're uh, extremely intelligent defensive linemen. Yeah, there's no that, question
4: about it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's just
2: you know that's just in me, man. We we were bred that way, no, and, and I was I a defensive that. lineman. I started as a, a defensive end and a linebacker. So when I got to San Diego State, I was a DN and a linebacker. Uh, so I, that's just, you know, how I poke fun at those guys. Oh, no, sure. That's, um, that's but, what
4: what comes with having played 13 years in the league and besting them
2: off. Yeah, I remember being on the line of scrimmage and something happened. I had to look back to the quarterback and be like, hey, we're going to go Ringo. Ringo. And they'd be like, Ringo, 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 make the call and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the, the first thing quarterbacks should do is, is comprehend and understand the offense. That's the Seems first thing. It's yes. very important. Don't just learn a few plays, right? Because they'll cut the playbook down for you and be like, "Oh, we're just gonna focus on these." I remember when uh uh Mike Vick first uh got into the games; he only knew about five plays, right? Thank God for Terrence Mathis, who'd be like, "Just give me the beginning of the play, and I'll help you with the rest <laughs> stuff like that." But Mike turned out to be a tremendous talent. He was. By far the most athletic quarterback I'd ever seen, and definitely the fastest person on the field at all times. Uh, But what he would do is he would drop back. If it wasn't there, he was gone. Like he was, he was one and done. He'd be forty yards down the field, like (laughs) like just that fast. But as he got older, they started catering the uh, offense toward him, and he got a you know, of course, an understanding of and became you know, a tremendous quarterback.
4: Sure. Uh, all that maturation process nowadays, it's just the question of do you get those opportunities? Do you get bounced? And how many teams will will sign a check and, and keep you on board because there's still that untapped potential there in Denver? Oh. As we speak right now, you've got Case Keenum, Man, you've got Paxton Lynch, who they decide to keep, and and look, this isn't me raising my hand for the Northwestern guy, but on the other side, they saw Trevor Simeon play against them yesterday, 11 of 17, 165, two touchdowns and a pick off a, a deflection. So, you, you know, you're you're looking at a, a guy that was on your roster that still had, at least on, on the surface, some value, but now... Move on, and maybe Kelly becomes that guy rising from the depths because Paxton Lynch is right now looking like a bad experiment
2: for John Elway. Yeah, and you know Case Keenum, you bring him over, and you know Case is third string quarterback, right? What you bring him over well, in he'd hopes, been forever, right? In hopes that we get something right. And you look at that spot in the draft where they had an opportunity to take a young quarterback, which I I, I still don't understand why they didn't. That's the most glaring need for the Denver Broncos and to just completely ignore that. Uh, We'll see how this pans out for them. But once again, just like we don't want to get too carried away with the young guys, even though they've showed some, some, some great steps and some foundation in terms of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, with Case Keenum, it's the first game. You think the second game, third game, he'll get a, a better grasp of personnel, offense, but it, it's just, you know, you, you don't want to count him out yet. Right. But, but you bring good in, Lord.
4: Right. You bring in Bradley Chubb at, at pick five. You still had Allen and Rosen on the board if you're looking that way or going deeper if you were able to trade back, you know, looking at Lamar Jackson, right. what have you. So always the curiosity because we were asking this question and talking this out a bit earlier earlier with the Giants. They bring in Saquon Barkley, and obviously the media is going to do, even from day one, the Giants were going on Twitter and Instagram and anything they could to tell you, hey, Saquon's here. He's our guy. Right. Like He's running for for public office and taking <laughs> over. Uh, fun times all around. All right, he's Ephraim Salam. I'm Mike Harmon. This is Fox Sports Sunday. It's time to get our final serving of hot takes and sausage. Real quick, Ryan Dennis, load it up.
5: Yeah, so real quick, you guys were just talking quarterbacks and Denver Broncos, but you know which team calls for Teddy Bridgewater or one of the other backups that we've seen some good stuff from it. So kind of prediction, hot takes, and sausage. Ephraim will go off with you. Who makes the move for one of these backup quarterbacks? Uh, in in
2: terms of which NFL team? Makes yeah, which up?
5: which team is the one who uh, calls for one of these back? Who makes the first move? For who, Teddy Bridgewater? Or, or or just any, you know, much like we saw for Sam Bradford with the Eagles a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, I would say the team we were just talking about, they have a serious problem at quarterback that they haven't addressed. And, you know, if this preseason plays out where a guy like Teddy Bridgewater continues to, to play well, and if New York decides that they truly want to go with Sam Darnold and, and, and Teddy's just there... Uh, I think Denver Broncos. They have to move on them. They got to get a quarterback in there because, you know, their defense isn't going to be able to sustain uh, that level without putting some points on the board. But by far, it has to be Denver.
4: Yeah, I think Denver would have to be the leader in the clubhouse. The other guy that might be in the trade world, RG three, who's acquitted himself, I think, pretty well through two games for for Baltimore. But you look at Denver. Other team, I mean, because you're trying to think of where contenders are that, that might need a, a backup. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, I don't know how much they love Landry Jones behind Ben Roethlisberger, perhaps. Knowing that he'll miss a couple of games, right. as he does every year, that perhaps they get in the marketplace where they need another body along the way. Uh, the other that would stand out is uh, in Cincinnati. If you think there's a a young guy that you can, maybe not one of these veteran guys that's hanging around, but if there's a young guy that might fall through the cracks because he's not getting reps, then eventually you're going to start thinking about moving on from Andy Dalton. So perhaps the Bengals get in there as well.
5: I like both of them. I mean, you can't argue that with Andy Dalton, but... Just watching that Bronco game last night, we got to we got to get an E from this week because my there you goodness, go. no, it's that's just bad.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You take you take the uh, the Broncos bad, and think bad. about what the defense you have assembled. Now, obviously, they gave up forty two to the Vikings, but it's week one of the preseason. We hang that out. Right. We we look at what they have, at least in terms of your your top end defensive players. They should still be competitive, but they're not scoring points. They're going to be on that list of that bottom seven, like we did in the future. Yeah. Weeks. Hey, Otherwise, you're right,
2: and the fact that they Decided not to get a young quarterback. I, I mean, they haven't bode well in the draft with quarterbacks, so I get the, the trepidation they were having, but goodness gracious. You hit the home yeah, run I mean.
4: with Peyton Manning coming back, Yeesh. right? You rolled hey, the but dice. But that's it. And that's it. And even then, he was a shell of himself basically handing the ball off, trying to run clock, and letting the defense do the work.
2: Throwing gooses up in the air. You know, it, it, it's just his his – Football IQ and and intelligence allowed him to put the uh, the offense in the right position, right? He could decipher the defense, so he knew exactly what to do. He didn't have to hoist the ball down the field a whole bunch, uh, a lot of underneath passing and so on and so forth. But the danger and the threat was there because he – was the, is the smartest player on the field when he's playing,
4: and occasionally would take the still the pop gun arm and and get you downfield. Yeah, and he was also the smartest guy in business because he got out of the Papa John's business after cashing up because of the weed coming to Colorado and before everything happened with Papa John's. See, yeah, and, and before that license went to Domino's for the National Football League. See, we bring business Hut, together. Right? We, yeah, or did he go Pete? He went Pizza, Pizza Hut. Pizza, you're right. You're right. Anyway, we get into the fantasy implications of week one coming up next. Ephraim Salam. I'm Mike Harmon. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in a little slow groove. Maybe you pulled the covers back over you for a few more minutes.
5: <laughs> Relax.
4: Sound of my voice and that of Ephraim Salam coming to you as you're starting your day, maybe getting a good stretch on, still in bed. Yeah, you'll carry that the rest of your day. That was the funniest line I've said all day. Mike Harmon, (laughs) alongside you from Salah Fox Sports, Sunday from the Geico Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Well, it is almost that fun, wonderful time of the season where fantasy football drafts come to full bear, and they're everywhere, and I'm starting to... Do leagues already. I've got a long, slow draft that's playing out. Uh, and unfortunately, it's one of these industry things, right? Uh-huh. From, so me and a bunch of guys that write for different websites or do radio shows. And it started a week ago, the clock. And in the third round, in the partner league, so there's two 12-team leagues running in parallel. In the other league, someone got Darius Geis in the middle of the third round and well, they've already lost their third-round pick yeah. for the season. One of the dangers and perils of doing fantasy drafts so
2: soon. And why? is the Well, just it so, so it's
4: out there, so people see how your mind is a snapshot in time, hmm. which would be easier if we did it in a two- to three-hour block because then you could say, okay, on August 3rd or 4th or today, the 12th, this is what these 12 dopes had to say <laughs> about the <laughs> fantasy football world. Instead, what it, what's happening is it's the slow play – and it's a 20, 20 roster spots. We'll end up playing out the season, but then it happens over two to three weeks. So you're not getting an accurate snapshot, right, because we know depth charts are changing. We're seeing injuries and how that's affecting things. So not quite as easy and, and nice and neat if it was done over a day, but the idea is to kind of give the rolling time of of what's going on in our heads. And, and certainly in that league, the running backs coming to the forefront once again, even with the quarterbacks being the high scores when it's all said and done, the mm-hmm. difference between number one and number twelve not as stark as you would between having a Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, et cetera, versus well, the you've got two running back slots to fill. So now we're talking between number one and number twenty four. So down around that time, uh currently you can pick a guy, well, say on Johnson of the Detroit Lions, who had himself a nice day, 11 touches, 67 total yards. It's a crowded backfield, but Theo Riddick's basically a wide receiver Yeah, is the way they use him at this point. Amir Abdullah, not sure exactly what it is, but LeGarrette blunt a guy with great value late. They're not going to do anything with him. He's got that veteran privilege, I think, at this point in his career where everybody's saying, oh, he's not giving him the ball. It's like, why would they?
2: No, not now.
4: Put him in bubble wrap and keep him for the regular season in short yardage situations he had a, a, as necessary.
2: A good carry. You know, get him get him in, let him get a touch, get him out. Let me ask you this. You had the first pick in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Are you taking a quarterback? Or are you taking a running back? No,
4: I gotta take a running back. Unless the league slanted to where uh I can get better advantage saying taking Antonio Brown. And so out, like so you PTR. take a wide
2: out over a quarterback? Yeah,
4: because with the quarterback, again, the, the difference between, say, Aaron Rodgers and whoever is number six or number seven isn't going to be as stark. So if I miss out on one of those top guys at pick one, I'm not drafting again until the end of round two. By then, all the running backs of any value are gone. Quarterbacks are going to be there still round four, round five, that I can still get decent value. The wide receivers, really? are, Yeah, just the way the point systems work. You're, you're hmm. not looking at that, on a week-to-week basis, that giant variation. Okay.
2: I, I see that.
4: Okay. So, for, for running backs, see, now we're getting into our fantasy 101. I love this. So, yeah. You I, know, you got your Gurley, your Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson. They're going to come off the board pretty fast. And then right. You're going to have the next tier that comes through, Alvin Kamara. Mark Ingram suspended a couple of games. Does that mean he necessarily takes on a huge workload? I don't think they want to expose him to 75, 80 hits that early right. to where he's not available for a playoff run. Saquon Barkley, how much do you trust that offensive line and establishing that balance early? Do we see more of that one-yard, I-don't-know-where-I'm-going variety <laughs> versus the 39-yard <39 laughs> pop? That's one of those things that you're trying to figure out, those expectations. And then you're you're going through the tiering. With the quarterbacks, One one is the difference between whether you're getting six points for a touchdown pass or four. The standard in most leagues is four at this point because it levels things off a little bit. Well, six
2: and, in I, I play in a a, a Yahoo league and, mm-hmm. and uh, six for me for quarterback. Yeah,
4: so I mean, it's still the you, you can set it that way, but it, the industry standard has drifted towards the four. So the Aaron Rodgers and those that might be in the high thirties, it comes back down to earth a little bit, right? Uh-huh. So you're still looking at yardage guys but it it certainly changes the complexity of of things as we go. One guy that's interesting on the board is Dak Prescott. Last year – and and much has been made this offseason of Des Bryant's gone, Jason Witten isn't there, who's going to emerge, who's going to be the guy, Terrence Williams off an injury, every once in a while he pops on the radar, but as soon as you start paying attention to him, he's gone once again, so with Cole Beasley, nice possession guy, but not a breakthrough, Michael Gallup out of Colorado State, one catch, 30 yards and the touchdown, I think the most exciting part of it, it wasn't a seven-yard route. Right. It was a deep, deep. deeper downfield. So you you maybe inch towards the the edge of your seat a little bit, saying Dak maybe going over the top a little bit more, but not having a guy who needs to be fed like Des right. might be better for him overall.
3: Huh.
2: Yeah, I struggle with fantasy football.
4: Well, I mean, because we're still trying to figure out how to quantify offensive linemen. There was an attempt well, a few years ago.
2: It, I mean, that that doesn't...
4: Well, but it, it would but be it, but nice It just changes to have your that. perspective right. of how you look at a like game you, in terms
2: of... Yeah, but like if you pick a defense, you should be able to pick an offensive line, right? So if you have an offensive line that gives up no sacks and they rush for over 100 yards, then they should get X amount of points. If you have an offensive line that gives up this many sacks and they don't break 100 yards, then you get negative points. Our guy Lincoln Kennedy
4: was involved with a place that tried to start working at Maybe we need to resurrect it now that we get deeper into analytics. Ah, callback. Got to listen to the whole show. Go on iTunes, Fox Sports Sunday, and find it there. Download it. Give it five stars. We'll love you forever. But that's one of the the pieces that you're trying to figure out. And, yeah. And, and trying to read the, the tea leaves of how good an offensive line is when I'm looking at a running back. Because I may love the guy's talent, but is he going to be upright? We look at the quarterback position. You may like Demarius Thomas as an individual wide receiver. Right. Anybody going to be able to throw him the football?
2: Oof.
4: I think we, we have a, a decided, you know. Yeah, Hearns, Hearn's
2: in Jacksonville. He's like, not even there anymore. He's now in oh, Dallas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah he's one of so, the,
4: the mem- members of Dallas. Yeah. What What's left in the tank? Is he one of the guys that can emerge for yeah. Dak Prescott? Or is your value for Dak going to be solely on how many r- rushing yards does he add to a 3,200-yard passing season? So that's where it starts getting interesting. So with complicated. Players like that. Yet so beautiful to talk it about on the radio. It really,
2: it? it really is, and it's and it's a whole nother game. It's a whole nother, you know, look at the game. So I always – well, I was taught to draft a quarterback first, right? Okay. In a league where – in the league I'm in, quarterbacks have the potential to have, you know – 80, well, that's just it. They, depending on the a scoring, week.
4: yeah, depending on the scoring metrics, and this is where trying to get defensive players in was always a difficult proposition because they'd overvalue linebackers. Right. Suddenly, a guy that has ten tackles is worth twice as much as a quarterback. People couldn't get that valuation right. It's gotten <laughs> right. <laughs> better, but certainly that was always one of the things. And certainly for a quarterback, because we know, on the field, right, always the highest paid and the valuation in so for fantasy purposes the same so perhaps in your league there is there is a, a push to have Rodgers or Brady or Breeze on your team versus waiting around building out the rest and then coming back for Phil Rivers or one of those guys later
2: the worst thing for me is i always lose out on running backs well and that's the problem is always. there's few bell cows out there i always since I've been doing fantasy football, I've never had good running backs.
4: See, now it's going to become Mike Mike Arment, advisor, draft advisor to the uh, to the elite.
2: Yeah, I, I need I, I I need it. I'm always like, okay, I'm gonna get this quarterback. I can get Drew Brees. I can get Aaron Rodgers. I can, you know, get Peyton Manning back when he was playing. But then I get like, you know, a, a running back. You just didn't you, want to call out the names. I didn't. Because you know, I, I, I,
4: I saw the faces scroll through your head. Like, they that were there. And I,
2: and I don't want to be that guy. I don't <laughs> want to do that to, to anybody. And that's what
4: I'll do every Sunday morning with Dan Byer here on Fox Sports Radio. I had Swollen Dome on Twitter. Ugh.
2: Man, it just kills me every time, man.
4: I can't wait to go through a fantasy season with Ephraim. Maybe we can uh, chop it up uh, as to what he's seeing each week there from a, a fantasy perspective as these teams start to gel, and, and he'll help with your trade offers of where some value will emerge as the season progresses. Ephraim Salam on Twitter, at Ephraim Salam. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Coming up next, we're going to talk Hall of Fame. Now the speeches are all done, but a legend – spoke out on behalf of one who's ostracized. We get into that next. But first, we step out to Isaac Lohenkron, and we find out what's trending.
7: Michael D. from We Begin in College Football, where on Saturday the University of Maryland placed head coach D.J. Durkin on paid administrative leave. In the wake of allegations of verbally abusive and intimidating conduct by Maryland football coaches and staff towards players, assistant Matt Canada will serve as interim head coach. University President Wallace Lowe said in a statement, quote, Humiliating and demeaning a student is not only bad teaching and coaching, it is an abuse of the authority of a teacher and coach, unquote. The final round of the PGA Championship tees off today. Brooks Kepka 12-under, has a two-shot lead over Adam Scott, who's in sole possession of second place. Tiger Woods, four shots back at 8-under. Tiger will tee off the final round at 2.35 Eastern. Kepka at 2.55 Eastern. By the way, the TV rating for yesterday's third round was the highest since 2009 and up 54% from last year. Something I'm sure has absolutely nothing to do with Tiger being in contention. Hey, great news, there's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, but in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. NFL, the Chicago Bears are signing veteran free agent running back Niall Davis while on the field last night. Josh Rosen went 6-13 for 41 yards in his NFL debut with the Arizona Cardinals in their 24-17 win over the Chargers. Michael and Ephraim, back to you.
4: Thank you, Ilo. Appreciate that. Keep an eye on the scoreboard watching here. Uh, we've got a long drive competition right now. Will Hogue, uh, the leader in the clubhouse at 415 yards. The first care. time
2: I ever watched one of these. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's guys nuts. just
4: grip it and rip it like we do as Sunday duffers. Uh, we're coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Fox Sports Sunday, e from Salaam in with me. I'm Mike Harmon. Dan Baier back with us next week. Now, yesterday was a love fest in the city of San Francisco, number 25, retired. That means... Barry Bonds goes up on the wall. Uh, he ran out to left field. Everybody all excited and and has their excitement. Uh, the all-time home run leader, according to Major League Baseball, there is no asterisk in any record book. Yet, each and every year we watch people wring their hands trying to figure out exactly how to go through the Hall of Fame process. And Willie Mays, Godfather said, "You know, he should be in the Hall of Fame." That was that was the one big thing to come out of this. A lot of people really upset uh, that the Giants would honor Bosley, Whatever, it's marketing and merchandising, and it's long enough in the rearview mirror. And I think people's attitudes on a lot of uh, performance enhancers ha- has really died down in terms of the outrage and the vitriol. Yeah. Certainly in the National Football League, nobody cares. Right? Nobody care. What? How do they get it back up on a Sunday? And nobody, nobody cares, as long no. as they're on the field. Major League Baseball, to a large degree, we've hit that. There's still the righteous indignation. And guys who made their careers for years on home runs suddenly jumped up on pedestals and started bemoaning their existence. What? So what Sammy Sosa went from... Looking as he did to looking like something out of the Marvel universe in an off season, nobody seemed to bat an eye there. Why? Because it got their pocketbooks fat, and and we stole the virtues of the the long ball. But now, now he looks like a middle thing. aged white woman. Wow, well, like, that's what that's yeah, that's a whole other thing. What Maybe this? Sammy Sosa wasn't the best example I'm to bring like, up.
2: What? Is Who is this lady? What? The-
4: yeah, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Go ahead and Google. Sammy Sosa at your leisure And uh, let E from Salaam know what you think Let from Salaam find me o- over at Swollen Dome But the idea being that for me, the Hall of Fame is is a wonderful place. I love going to Cooperstown during Enshrinement Weekend, going down the the halls and 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 looking at all the archives. It's a, it's a wonderful place. All the different things from huge games, you know, art, artifacts from historic games, even recently, where you'll have you know Bartolo Colon gets the, his latest win. You know, a guy that we celebrate never make the Hall of Fame, most likely, but you know what? I'm entertained by him. For Barry Bonds. You've still got a, Pete Rose will never get in. Right, at least we don't think he will. There's still Pete Rose stuff in the Hall of Fame because it's a museum, and and that's really what it comes down to. You can you him. tell? Can, right? Can you? Th- that's how I feel. But can you tell the tale of the last twenty five years of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds? No. He the answer is no.
2: He helped save baseball. He he helped him, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. They helped save baseball. Right, right. Right
4: now you have your hit king. Your one of your all time greats in terms of Cy Young's and dominance and Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, your home run leader, all on the outside looking in.
2: When you talk about a culture of a particular sport, right, whether it be cycling and the whole Lance Armstrong and the culture that was surrounded The you know, we're not the only team doing it. I'm not the only player doing it when it was a culture. Remember early in the 70s, it was a steroid culture in the NFL. Lyle Alzado, sure. all of these guys. It just it was what it was. Uh, then, you know, of course the blame goes on the players for taking substances to help them be great. But looking at the culture, are there guys who've never been caught with steroid use in Cooperstown?
4: I think we all would probably say without a of shadow of a course. doubt. Of that- course. Of course, and sir. it's just a question of whether it's the number on one hand, number on two, or whether Let we. Let me ask advocates. you this:
2: Did Barry Bonds
4: ever get caught
2: using well, steroids? Well, but that's
4: the other thing: what we know versus what we think we know, right? Right, and that's and that's where it's difficult with the with the Baseball Hall of Fame that you decided. And, and look, there might be a convergence, a confluence of evidence to <laughs> strongly suggest that. But I mean, look as, at the Roger Clemens thing. Ah, that was my wife's. Yeah, right. I mean. <laughs> But it's, it's the idea of you, you don't have a positive test, but you make the supposition, you make the determination, whereas you're still voting in other guys who maybe the whispers aren't and shouts aren't as loud, I think, but they're certainly
2: there. I think baseball was just mad at Barry Bonds because he was just like, yeah, no. He didn't succumb to any of the pressure. He was arrogant. Well, but that's like, it. He didn't play their face. game to a degree, right? Yeah, like he was just like, yeah, leave me alone. I think like, that's
4: the thing that bothers people most yeah. right now is that he's smiley, happy, barely yeah. <laughs> more than more than anything else. More, I think that I think that agitates people yeah. more than anything else is just how right now I'm at peace. I'm happy. You know, he did one year as a as a hitting coach, coach and whatever. Yep. But it's the idea that. He, he's now just a different guy. It's like, well, where's that angry guy? It's easier to be mad at him there.
2: Think about when he was hitting the cover off the ball when they were the bay was filled with kayaks. Yeah. Because he was smacking the stitching out of the ball into the into the bay.
4: Oh, I lived up there during that time.
2: It was funny. He'd be trying to go
4: across that little bridge with it. all these people carrying kayaks or It's just like rats. where are you
2: guys? What is going on? Yeah. Is this the great kayak race today? <laughs> oh no, Barry's at, Barry's playing today. So I look at that aspect, and, of course, I don't condone cheating by any stretch of the imagination. But Barry Bonds was a Hall of Fame player before the alleged allegations were taking place. That's all I'll say.
4: Now, I mean, because the big thing with, with Bonds is a lot of folks will be, like, oh, and he's a jerk. Who cares?
2: Right. Who cares? Right. There's a
4: lot of jerks in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Not every one of those guys was, you know, smiley, happy, Unless a camera was on.
2: I mean, that was the big thing about you know people uh, said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, although he was one of the greatest players ever to play, he just wasn't very sociable, right? Right. He's gone out of his way to try to correct that. Of course. In his life. What you do, well. you sure. you you do that. You learn that. I just Barry didn't Bonson like him begging for a statue. That yeah. was, was yeah, only, that was the that was the only thing. Yeah. He shouldn't have to beg for a statue. Though. Well, he shouldn't have had nah, to,
4: but you don't do that publicly. No, nah, he doesn't. You let someone else put that out there for you. That's true. You tell me Magic couldn't have taken up for him, one of those guys.
2: Depends on their relationship. Yeah, well, you know, that's true. I, you know, you got to think about it like that. Like, he was, I mean, he was very honorary Well, yeah, he also
4: know? lost his money multiple times. Look yeah. that up, too. There's another Google assignment for you, the lifetime of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but doing a lot of uh, great writing, and I love his work on culture and jazz. Yeah. It's all good stuff. See, we're educating you We here. are. Beyond the sporting world <laughs> at Fox Sports Radio. Well, Addie from Salam at Swollen Dome, bringing the world to you. We thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Coming up next, we have our bag of fun. And, well, we'll close up by parlaying all the time. See if we can pick three winners as we go into week two of the NFL preseason. Next on Fox.
0: This program brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to progressive. Call 1 800 Progressive or visit progressive.com today and find out if you could save.
4: Welcome back into the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Ephraim Salam with you here uh, as we get ready for the final round PGA Championship rolling out. We got some Little League World Series. We're watching some replays of this fantastic week one of the preseason. Honored to have E from Salam sitting alongside me at e from Salam on Twitter. 13 years in the National Football League. I'm Mike Carmen. Find me at Swollen Dome. And for our larger sporting world, we, we celebrate, as we've seen a couple of great plays, the shortstop has crazy range here in the Little League World Series. Uh, and that takes the Little League World Series, becomes part of our bag of fun. One of the things we do uh, each and every week here on the program. Yes, the theme song, Do Curb Your Enthusiasm, that Alex Tyshirt so graciously plays for me. Uh, A legendary show that'll come back once again. You know, the usual, disappear for two years, have some life experience, get some stories, and come back. Well, we had one of our legends, now a legend of the internet, speak to us and introduce himself on the big stage.
3: Hi, my name's Alfred D'Elia. At home, they call me Big Al, and I have
4: dingers. Al D'Elia... One of the kids, he's he's got a little bit of meat on him. Reminded me of myself. Uh, I think <laughs> shopping in the Husky se- section is how they would have as- ascribed it. But he calls himself Big Al. I hit dingers. Yeah. Now, some of these kids have gotten some, uh, some acclaim on the Internet as people take their screenshots, not because of what they're doing at the batter's box, but for how they're describing either themselves or what shows up in the infographic when they're in the, the batter's box. One guy, what's your favorite sport? LeBron James. Forget about the NBA, forget about basketball, LeBron James. Uh, one kid had an adult film star listed as his favorite act.
2: Hilarious.
4: Yeah. So certainly, don't uh, say. Oh, yeah, a little bit of uh, extra as we go through there. Uh, no question about it. But it's it's that fun time of year as we get to the, the NFL as well as the, you know, just just everything converging. Even the NBA still has headlines that Isaiah Thomas quote from earlier uh has us all laughing uh, as we think about what his career has been all about to date so certainly there we've got tiger woods on the board only four shots back as we enter the final round of play so that's fun the 75 dollar hamburger did you see that in arizona because i know our executive producer justin frostberg at my show with jason smith he's supposed to bring us one back did you not, you're you looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but he's
2: bringing you one back. but is it going to be fresh it, enough it that does, you can't...
4: Now, well, as long as he hasn't let it rot in the heat, it doesn't matter. Maybe yeah, that's you, maybe, a long
2: trip for a hamburger. No, to, but, to,
4: but it's to, not just a hamburger. And that's the beauty of it. For seventy five bucks, you get five burger patties, five hot dogs, five bratwursts, twenty slices of cheese, eight slices of bacon, eight chicken tenders, twelve ounces of fries, lettuce pickles, and something called tanker sauce on a ten inch bun.
2: Oh, so you mean a heart attack? Oh, okay. Well, it's cool. a heart
4: attack on a plate. Now, if you're able cool. to eat at all. High cholesterol. From, yeah, well, you know, you're you're gonna find Wilfred Brimley and he's gonna tell you all about diabetes. I'm Wilfred Brimley and I'd like to talk to you for
2: a few minutes about, about diabetes. diabetes. Yeah, (laughs) diabetes.
4: There's no question about it. But what? Seventy-five bucks. The cost of your arteries, and well, you say it's called should be called the widowmaker, probably uh, on the other side. But you get a jersey, and you get your picture on the jumbotron. I'm, I'm cool. I, I want to know what the cost is for getting on the Jumbotron in general. If they just want to say, right, yeah. hey, if the card the jumbo, welcome." Right. welcome. What's that, 50 bucks? Right. Okay. <laughs> now, what I'm thinking, though, is 75 bucks. Look, well, I, I I won't get the free jersey and the Jumbotron appearance. That I could still perhaps, um, well, make a lot of friends by carving this thing out. You like chicken tenders? Because economically, you probably do okay. You get about five you, meals in there. Yeah. yeah. If you can make five, because at, at the concession stand, that's probably going to give you a little bit of opportunity. All right, we switch gears, and we go to time to parlay all the time. We have three opportunities for greatness last week. Well, let's see how we did.
5: We're going with Rory McIlroy. We're going to go with one interception and no for Roquan.
4: Justin Rose, two, and yes for Roquan. I'm going to go out on a limb. Aaron Wise is going to lead the PGA Championship. Zero INTs for Baker Mayfield. Let's just keep it close to the vest, and Roquan Smith will still be a holdout So close for Bayer. Two out of three. Ain't bad. Uh, Your leader, uh, PGA, is Kupka. Baker had zero. Roquan still not signed. This week, who wins the PGA championship? Who's got more passing yards, Darnold or Mayfield? And then the Super Bowl rematch, you got the Eagles or the Pats? Ephraim.
2: Uh, I got Tiger winning the PGA championship. I got uh, Darnold, more passing yards, and Eagles win. Fowler, Mayfield, and Eagles. I'm going to
4: go with Rom, Mayfield, Patch next.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.